You can take that to the bank. I'm gonna take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. Hello, and welcome to the 11th Comeuppance Reviews podcast. I'm Brett from Comeuppance Reviews. Hey, I'm Ty. Hey, 11 episodes. Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> and we're, we're getting up there. We've broken that eight uh, <laughs> barrier where they say a lot of people quit on their podcast after eight episodes. And um, yeah, I, it looks like we've broken through that barrier. Yeah, yeah we broke through that dam. That's awesome. Van Dam. Uh, well, nice reference to the last episode. Yeah. Um, but we do have a guest. Yes, we do. We have Matt, the director, video connoisseur. Hi, Matt. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming back on. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, that episode last week, that the, the Van Dam one with that with Mitch, that was fantastic. I oh, love kind of comparing it and everything. That was really great to listen to. Oh, oh, thank nice. you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Hopefully we can live up to that today because we're doing a very similar kind of thing today, but with Steven Seagal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but before we get to that, we yes. uh, we're doing our new segment. We got popular demand has yes. literally demanded we turn this into a segment. It was a full podcast and we started doing it. Now it's a, a segment on the show, which is they should have been an action star. And we're are going to go into that now. And I understand Matt, that you have a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I was listening to another another podcast recently called um, I Must Break This Podcast. It's one that's about um, Dolph Lundgren movies in general. Um, and they were looking that's at The awesome. Defender. And I was looking at my old review of The Defender. And I remember the character that was like, I guess, like a secretary of defense type character in the movie. I was like, she was like a Condoleezza Rice character. But actually, it would have been better if she was played by Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> and I was thinking like, wow, you know, she would have been, you know, I think for the most part, she would have been like the political thriller or like the military movie where she's the one like, off somewhere like giving orders and like maybe like complaining to the higher ups like you know we got to get them out of here and that kind of oh, yeah. thing yelling at a screen like a bunch of screens like go over here here and here <laughs> right. yeah, exactly and then maybe like at the end of the movie the good guy defeats the baddie but mm. leaves him and he's walking away has his back turned the baddie stands up to try to get one last shot and then we hear a gun go off the baddie drops <laughs> and then there's Condoleezza Rice holding the gun with like the smoke <laughs> coming out of it you know like, like that kind of thing but I maybe I'm selling her short because she could maybe even do it at the next level like maybe you know she could be you know maybe somebody who like is, is actually in there doing everything um, but but definitely that kind of character um, the other one I was thinking was Colin Powell another former Secretary <laughs> of State Secretary of Defense I just, yeah, I just love the idea of like you think of like the the trailer for a movie like that where he's playing maybe that same kind of part that we we're talking about with Condoleezza Rice and it's just like they're naming you know that 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 trailer voice guy is naming off all the characters it, the actors are like and Colin Powell you know and just like seeing that picture of Colin Powell maybe like looking up at like one of those screens like you were talking about or something like that and just hearing that voice you know with all the other people that are in the movie I, I felt like that would be a good one too I don't think he could have the range that Condoleezza Rice would have like I don't see him holding the gun at the end of the scene, like saving the good guy. You know, I, I don't think he could quite pull that off the way she could. Well, what that put me in mind of is maybe a buddy cop kind of thing. Like, you know, the whole Wesley and Woody thing where you was train. like money train and, you know, they're trying to do a Wesley and Woody. How about a Condoleezza and Colin kind of thing? Condi where they're together. Condi and Colin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the poster could be like a on rushing subway car or, or like, you know, something going fast and they're like running from it in a money train kind of thing, kind of way. 
yeah. maybe Robert Blake can come back uh, and for Money Train too. It's like, perfect. <laughs> Instead of Wesley and Woody, it's Condi and Colin. That I, I, I definitely like. I mean, I like the idea of them sitting in like the cafe car and like just kind of relaxing, and then something happens, and like maybe like even too like with them like they don't run, like they just kind of like kind of slowly walk up to the situations and then people are like, well, you know, what are they doing here? Like, you know, get out of here. Maybe even somebody <laughs> makes a crack about them being old, you know, like get out of here, you know, go back to the nursing home or something. And they, they kind of smirk at each other and then maybe pull out their guns and like just take everybody out at once, you know, or, or fantastic. Like, you know, oh yeah. Stuff. Or yeah. they do like the, they do like the double punch. That's also on money train. It's like <laughs> yes. they just uh, punch <laughs> one person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he makes a crack. Like, did, did, you know, Condoleezza's like, did he just call us old? And then they look at each other, smirk, yeah. and do the double punch. Like, do the double punch. Yeah, it's right. perfect. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. And it is kind of following hot on the heels of the should have been action stars we talked about last time, which were government people like Robert Bork and um, C. Everett Cooper. Coop. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. C. Everett Coop. I didn't even think of that. that was <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he's very gruff. You know, he's very no nonsense. Um, I, I can see him in a Clint Eastwood-esque yeah. get-off-my-lawn kind of situation. Yeah, and just imagine the medical one-liners that you've got for that, too. You know, just like, you know, doctor's orders or, you know, like, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> here's my prescription, death. Or something like, like yeah. All that kind of, yeah, like, that. oh, that could be so great. Any kind of a doctor, I think, is good for that kind of thing. I, I know this will sound silly. Oz? But, you, know, you think Dr. Oz could pull it off? Dr. Oz? <laughs> Meme Oz? Meme. <laughs> yeah, Meme. Do you think Meme can do it? I do. I think he's another one. I never thought of it, but the, like the, the, you know, the, the taglines are just, I mean, just the taglines and the one-liners in the movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, his prescription for this problem, death, or, you know, like, just like, <laughs> yeah, it just, you, oh my God, like just thinking about like the, the, the possibilities for any kind of a doctor in, in a role like that. I know it's a sound silly. I, that's true. I, oh, no, no, no. Sorry, I was just going to say, I don't, that angle of a doctor doing action hasn't really been explored that much. You know, that's all I was going to say. I was going to say that, um, you know, one, maybe it's not only one liner, but maybe see if a coup is about to kill someone. He goes, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> he, he would beep. say that? Yeah. Or he, he has one of those. Oh, so maybe he oh. says the last beep. Like a yeah, defibr- oh, he can like use a defibrillator yeah. in a yeah, highly unorthodox yeah. way. Like he like does like an uppercut. Like he's using it as like brass knuckles, the little <laughs> the handles, and he like punches someone in like under their chin with a defibrillator and knocks them back. Yeah, I can see that. It's awesome. Yeah, and I, I even like that beep 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 thing. Like if he's yeah. about to blow up a baddie, he's, <laughs> oh, got, the, he's got the, the the detonator and he's like yeah. beep beep. <laughs> and then the third one, he pushes the button, you know, yeah. and the guy's like no, and he's got like the dynamite strapped when he blows up or something like that. Like, yeah, I, the, the, the possibilities are endless with that kind of a thing. I know. That's why I'm glad we're talking about this because hopefully we're expanding some people's minds here and we'll get people thinking about this kind of thing. It's all about the power of your imagination. Well, that's true. But before we go any further about that, I do want to say, and Ty, you probably know what I'm about to say, but if you ever look up something on Yahoo Answers, there are some very funny answers people give and funny questions. And there is a question that I saw and someone could look this up. I assume it's still there. Someone wrote in this question to Yahoo Answers. What's the machine called that goes beep, 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 and when you die, it goes beep? Yeah. <laughs> I used to kind of what I was thinking of with, with Coop. <laughs> he wrote out beep with all the E's after you die, and then someone wrote in, it's called a defibrillator. Or, or no, it's called an electrocardiogram, I believe. 
When someone wrote that into Yahoo Answers. I just thought that was very, very funny. Well, we have one, right? We have an action star to mention. Yes, we have one. Um, you know, have one, which is John Tesh. Oh, yes. How come Tesh never did that? He's perfect. He has that stone face, you know. He's tall, he's a, too, isn't he? I hear he's, yeah, he's giant. Yeah. He always wears a tuxedo. <laughs> well, he can, it could be like a command performance kind of thing. Like he's playing live at Red Rocks on his piano. Yeah. Terrorists come in. He uses the power of Tesh to, you know, stop him. And I can see he bashes someone's face in with the piano keys, and the keys are red. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, he lifts up the piano keys and uses yeah. them as like throwing stars. Oh, it's perfect. They have knives in them or little bombs. Yeah, like there's all sorts of traps in his piano. Oh, and I, I love the idea, too, that you've got whoever as, like, the police officer or something. So, so like, maybe it's, like, Die Hard in the, in the thing, right? And, and like, some, you know, Tesh is, like, picking these guys off. And, like, the, the people that are doing, like, whatever, like, the, 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 the police people that are down below talking about, like, mm. what's happening. They're, like, they're, like, they pull up his file. And it's, like, <laughs> special forces, Navy, you know, <laughs> you know, you know also, also USO band, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it's, like. That's funny. Yeah, it'd be like he's been on 40 deployments. Like where? The USO. Right. You know. Exactly. <laughs> like, I think there, there's a famous jazz singer. I can't remember. Or jazz performer. Um, you know, who who was, uh, you know, was was in World War II. And he missed. I think it might have been Dave Brubeck, but it was somebody like that who who missed like one of the big battles because they were um sent to a USO concert to play piano somewhere um yeah that sounds familiar actually yeah so i gotta gotta like that idea for him but still like he's still trained like he could still like he said like knives in the piano keys where he pulls them out like you know i mean yeah it somebody like his stature his size like um it it is amazing that he didn't do something like that i know especially during the 90s when you know director video was all the rage and tash was hot tash was red hot you know, I, I just what a missed opportunity. I bet you anything he was proposed scripts and he turned them down. I, I would not doubt that he was his. There were scripts that went across his desk that he said, you know what? No, I can't do this. Like, I, I, I would I would almost bet like I, I have. Don't you feel like there was something like that? And he just he said no, like he didn't want to do it. And that's the only explanation, really. I mean, he's basically Fabio without the long hair, right. you know. <laughs> and at the beginning, he could be grizzled. You know, maybe he was in a foxhole or something. And we've never seen Tesh with a beard. Right. right. Well, you, you never know if maybe he says no to that kind of thing, too. Like, he's, he's got a Tesh image to uphold. Like, what, what is that? <laughs> well, show? that's true. Is that show, uh, Music for, for Your Life or something like that, that you spend like, mm. easy listening channels. Um, where you, <laughs> he would, like, play, like, like adult contempo music and then, like, mm give these like tips on things that you can do to improve your life that are just like the same kind of stuff that you see is like, I, I, I would, would you call it clickbait if it's in the, on a magazine in the, in, in the, in the, in the <laughs> sure. like, I think it's clickbait, clickbait before clickbait. Exactly. That was the first you can call it clickbait because was... you're clipping. Oh, it. Cool. oh good one. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, but that was like, I remember listening to that sometimes and, and being like, you know, like there, you know, he would just kind of come in and say these kind of canned things and then play other songs. And, um, you know, I, I, I wonder like, um, yeah, if he has like this this John Tesh image that he he has to uphold, and so yeah, if he would have been like, no, I can't do the beard. I'm not doing a beard, you know, or something like that. They'd have the beard double in for him for those. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough because not a lot of people have a face like Tesh's. <laughs> yeah. 
Unfortunately, we shall have. Unfortunately, well, he's one of a kind, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I. Now we're, we're like coalescing some really great ideas here. I mean, you can have <laughs> I think so. Or Condoleezza Rice as the police officer in the John Tesh, you know, Die Hard in a Hotel. Right. Movie. It's just just like uh, in um, what was the alternate or Agent of Death? You know, Michael Madsen played the uh, Reginald Vell Johnson role. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Eric Roberts is up there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, maybe we can get Madsen. You know, probably would do it. Yeah, he's, he's up there. John Tesh. It's like, <laughs> but then, of course, the police are no help, so Tesh has yeah. to rely on his own wits and his and his training as whatever he used to be, like a military guy. And I just love the little knives in the keyboard, like those little yeah. like <laughs> Trejo and De- what was that Desperado? Right, we had those little yeah, knives. knives. Yeah, like he pulls them out of the keys and just starts, you know, taking guys out. Will come in it's on. Perfect. You know. It's perfect. It's not too. Oh, I mean, the, the, how about the classic? Um, he could strangle someone with piano wire. That too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the all final right there. Yeah, yeah. This like, is your yeah. final performance. <laughs> yes, right. And and think of. I mean, if he had a grand piano, I mean, think what he could hide in there. I mean, he could put a rocket launcher in there. <laughs> yeah. That also yeah. could be the final battle. <laughs> Yeah, it's all piano based. You know. <laughs> My training taught me to always come prepared. He kind of pulls it out. And the guy's like, what? No! And boom. You know. Boom. Yeah, exactly. This is your final symphony, you know, or something like that. <laughs> There'll be no encore, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> red Rocks will be red with blood. With blood, yes. That would be the, that would be on the cover. That would be perfect, yeah. <laughs> to everyone, a good night. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I really hope people are listening to this that could make this happen. Maybe Tesh himself is listening. Tesh, if you're listening, we can do this. We can write the script. No problem. Yeah. He's um, listening. He, you know, he's had a really great career. He's developed that image. I don't think at this point in the game it would ruin his image at all to do this movie. Um, oh, you know, maybe definitely not. 90s, maybe he thinks like – yeah, yeah, exactly. This would be exactly he, he would he would introduce himself to new audiences. Maybe we could even advertise his his if he still does. I don't even know if he still does that show, the the easy listening show, but um, it's like a syndicated show or something. I don't know if he still does that, but maybe maybe we could you know, entice him that way. Well, that's true because he had all that time with the classic Tesh image, and you know a lot of times these actors and people like to ch- kind of change things up, and especially now when older actors, you know, like the whole Liam Neeson, Clint Eastwood, all the older people are getting into the action game. I mean, it, now is the perfect time for Tesh. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, Not this kind late. of dovetails our you know our, our topic today with Seagal because I think Keone Waxman might be the perfect person to film Tesh, so he doesn't have to do a lot. You know, he's used to doing it with Seagal. <laughs> I think he would be the person. To That's a good point. Yeah, and, and make this work. <laughs> well, we'll just have to wait and see. But we'll, right. we'll have the good segue then. As a really good segue to the topic of the day, which is Seagal. And like we said with Van Damme, we're, we're not going to go into a whole big biography of Seagal's life, at least not today. We're just going to talk about the ones we think are the best and so, ones that are not, not really so, the best. Not so best, as you said last week. <laughs> yeah, said not best. so best. Yeah, less best, uh, as I said last week. Oh, yeah, less best. That's your new thing that <laughs> yeah, you yeah, said. Less best. Yeah. I like that. All right. So keeping on the positive side. Yes, let's say positive. Ty, what is your number five? We have Urban Justice. <laughs> now, I think this is for the fun factor. It's like it's not factor. a yeah. serious minded outing like his others. It's more for the fun. Because everybody just explodes into, you know, red 
Kool-Aid juice. Or shot. <laughs> the shots, if you look, they're so over the top. It, like I said, it looks like someone had a gallon of Kool-Aid in their shirt and then it just kind of comes out, <laughs> explodes out, really. And, um, you know, he beats up some homies outside of a McDonald's. And yeah, Eddie, was it Eddie Griffin? Be, Eddie Griffin. Yeah, he was the yeah. villain. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, the spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen this and wants to know, you know maybe turn it off for the next 30 seconds or, or mute for the next 30 seconds. But my, my favorite scene in that movie was when um, uh, Eddie Griffin he, – he, so, so Seagal takes out the guy who's with Eddie – or the, like the bad bad cop or whatever. And mm. Eddie Griffin has his gun pointed at Seagal, and Seagal disarms him and then says something like, you know, my, my issue isn't with you or, you, you, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with you or whatever, and just walks away. And Eddie Griffin's like, that's gangsta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the end of the movie. I remember that. I mean, that's the perfect way to end it. Yeah, it, oh, that was yeah. That definitely worked for me. I mean, it wasn't on my list of, of, of top five, but mm-hmm. I, I it definitely was not going to be in the bottom five. Like it was definitely one yeah. that I enjoyed for sure. Because we watched it with a yeah. bunch of friends, and it was a huge success. It was just a lot of fun, and it was just Seagal actually doing some of his fight scenes. He's fighting outside of McDonald's, really. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of parking lot. I mean, it, it's sort of like a cross between the Seagal's we kind of know and love, but also the classic quote-unquote homie movie of the time. Right. So it's like putting Seagal in the homie movie. Right, right, which he did a lot. He did right. a lot, yeah. It's almost like there might have been some sort of focus group testing or something, and it turned out that fans of the homie movie are also Seagal fans, and there was some crossover there. It makes sense. You know, I think that is true. I I have heard that that like yeah, he he kind of people people think of him as like just like total like yeah gangster maybe is the term to use yeah, like yeah. just the way he he would take care of business in his movies. I think there's aspects of some of the other stars. That he doesn't have, you know, he just kind of shows up in a leather jacket and beats people up, and you know, he's not doing splits or anything like that. And I think that might be something that appeals to them. Yeah, that's true. Like it is no frills. Yeah, if the goal did a split, I'm not sure it would go too well. I mean, it's like... he probably tries at home and says, home, "Nah, yeah. I don't feel like it." <laughs> like I can do it, but I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I could do that, but I don't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, Matt, what is your number five? So my number five, I felt like I should get another, you know, DTV on myself because um, my, my my list isn't is as DTV heavy, but um, I had the Foreigner uh, as number five for me. Um, it was just kind of the stylish movie that um, it came out in I think like '03, so yeah. it was right when Seagal was just starting to do DTV stuff, and I don't even know if this is necessarily DTV if it was something that was just DTV in the United States, but was released abroad. But I just really liked the the way it looked. Um, it was stylish. Seagal bought in. He was really doing a lot more in that movie um he actually let himself get it was let, let a baddie get the drop on him which never happens anymore in a movie no, no. Uh, right, exactly <laughs> he's like omnipotent but you know, it felt like some of like the old you know like some of like the like movies like le samurai and stuff like that like real like mm. i don't know um yeah like you know it just had that kind of feel to it now i should confess like i remember um uh uh, Ryan Kenner from uh, Movies in the Attic. He didn't. I don't. I think he didn't like this one, and he mm-hmm. saw what I saw. He, he thought I was like all you know, kind of crazy for. If I remember right, if this is the right movie. Um, so it's not. I don't know if it's for everyone, but it's one that that I don't. I just. I, I always really enjoyed. Well, I remember when we watched the brand. You know, his name is Jonathan Cold. And oh, that's Jonathan to, Cold. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, and his son is named Sean. So we called him Jonathan Cold. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally enough, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's. I always do that with names as well. Like if it's like, yeah, if it's 
you know, like if, if it's if it's Randy, I turn into Randrew or yeah, and then, like, yeah <laughs> right, right, like Donnie would be Donathan too. Yeah, any of those yeah. things could sound yeah. like like yes, exactly. Donathan oh, yeah. and Wilson, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, Ty, uh, what's your number four? Exit wounds. Yeah, that's DMX. That's DMX right? and Tom Arnold and uh, Michael Jai White. You, you don't remember that much, do uh, you? Remember that uh, well too much, Brett? No, no, no. I remember we, we watched oh. it fairly recently, and yeah, um, and went one. to the theater. I mean, it was one the of the theater. last of his to go to the theater, right? For for a long time. <laughs> I, and I mean, you know, it's very professional. I think we liked it. It was, you know, it had humor, it had action. Um, what more can I say? It was. I, I, I see what you added to the list. It's entertaining. Yeah. It's very. It just it delivers the goods for like ninety minutes, and you're like it's perfect. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, you know, I, this is another one that was kind of close for me, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, close on my, you know, I, I don't know if I, I quite had my honorable mentions, but I do remember also enjoying it. Um, you know, like you said, it, I think, it, you know, for us at that time when it came out, it was like almost that feeling of like, oh, interesting. It's another, you know, Seagal's in the theater again. Like we were kind of at the point where we were thinking like, you know, oh, he's done, right? right? He's close to being it. And, and, you know, it with DMX at that time, you know, DMX was big, you know, he was, he was doing it. And, you know, of course, I think they, they tried to remake this one with, uh, or not remake it, but tried to re recapture the magic with this one, I think with half past dead with Ja Rule. Um, but this one did, I think exit wounds, it, it, it definitely, it, it it, it definitely we we I think as action fans thought at the time was like okay you know, what is this doing you know like it, this isn't gonna do well or something like that and I think it did a little bit better than it was and I I, I do remember enjoying it I, I remember mm-hmm. liking it uh, but but also thinking like oh it's interesting to see a movie like this is still in the theater yeah you wouldn't get that today I mean obviously I think they have a new movie out now DMX well, and all but not they're not in the same scenes Beyond the Law come on that's a title. Reserved for Charlie Sheen, so. <laughs> right. Well, and, and the other thing, too, is if you notice on the cover with that one, it has Johnny Mesner. Um, oh, I have a feeling Mesner. that Johnny Mesner is, like, kind of in third position. I mean, I guess it's, like, Seagal on the front and then DMX slightly behind him and then Johnny Mesner a little bit more behind the two of them, mm-hmm. which tells think... me that it's probably all Johnny Mesner. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a dead giveaway, yeah. Right. <laughs> we, we just watched about the perfect weapon had Mesner. And I think we watched another Mesner, right, Brett? Um, well, which was the one with where it was like Hitman? Oh, the Perfect Weapon. Yeah, which where he was in with Seagal. Yeah, that is a movie titled Reserved for Jeff Speakman. Come on. Right. Yeah, that's, that's true. Right. As I said, there were the titles. They're kind of running a little low on creativity. <laughs> yes. Well, the Foreigner actually. Um, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say the Foreigner is um is now uh, also a, a movie title with a, a Jackie Chan Pierce Brosnan movie. So. Oh they, yeah, which we yeah. saw in the theater and liked. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I guess I guess they're just gonna keep. It, it used to be kind of the way it worked with Seagal was you just take old movie titles and put them together. Uh, but now yes. they're just using other movie titles. I guess they're 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 even like getting lower. Like they're even like that's too creative for us to just take old movie titles <laughs> and put them together. Let's well, just take other movie titles and do it that way. Well, <laughs> I, I know I know exactly what you're talking about, Ty. Yeah, you just said out for a kill. <laughs> they took out for justice and hard to kill, and they just put them together, whether it makes sense or not. Hey, honey, I'm just going out for a kill. Be right back. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. He's like, I'm going out for a kill. Be back later. Yeah, Yeah, we find out that, of course, he's really smoking, trying to hide it from his wife. (laughs) She thinks he's just going out to make a hit, just to kill somebody. But, you know, honey, honey, I'm not believing this whole 
assassin thing. I know you're smoking. You need to get back on the patch. I'm tired of this. Well, exactly. Yeah. Or or in his case, maybe getting some fast food or something. (laughs) I I don't want to go too far down that road, but but I know what you're saying. It does seem like something he would say is an excuse to leave the house. What is uh, your number four? So my number four is above the law. Um, Ah. First one. And I I think one of the hard things now for us with, you know, just talking about like just the jokes we're making about Seagal now is like we we are used to this Seagal. This Seagal has existed for like, you know, at least since the late 2000s. But, you know, it's for a good like 10 to 15 years now. The Seagal we're seeing in these movies now is the one we've become accustomed to. And it's hard to bring, you know, go back to that area era of the late 80s where, you know, all of these action stars were making movies. And here's this dude with like a, a slick back ponytail and a leather jacket. Who just crushed it, and it was just like you know. I, I think you know, and there were a lot of people that were trying. You know, we, we mentioned about Speakman. You know, there were a lot of um, actors that they were trying to put on the big screen. It just didn't quite catch for whatever reason. And I honestly don't get why Speakman didn't catch because I think he was fantastic too. Um, or Thomas Ian Griffith. So another one, yeah. Force. Yeah, and, and so they just they for whatever reason they didn't catch, but but Seagal did, and I just remember at that time. I mean, it's just it, that buzz and just being like, oh, this is somebody new here. This is you know, and you know, it's a shame because he comes out in '88 and then he kind of he's got the '90s where he's making his movies and then the whole thing kind of collapses, you know, and 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 everybody's done, you know, like the the big action movie kind of goes and. The funny thing, too, is you think about it, this comes out at the same year as Die Hard, where the movie industry is starting to think like we don't need. Um, these big action guys, or even you know, even even someone who's specialized in martial arts like this, we can just get Bruce Willis and just you know put him in movies or any actor like that. Um, but but that was one that did, I kind of had to go back in my brain and think like you know as I was going through his filmography, like man, that's right. When when, when we first saw ads for that and you started to kind of you know look at this thing it was like this looks pretty good and then you watch it and you're like wow, this guy Seagal, he's he, this is exciting. I want to see his next movie. Yeah, um, and he's I mean, got it. Yeah, yeah, he's got it. Yeah. Right, right. And I think it's sometimes hard to, to think about that time now because it's like we're so used to this Seagal and all the things we've heard about him, but also like, you know, watching movies and like, you know, the kind of the jokes that we were making about like how he never does his reverse shots anymore. And, you know, you got to kind of like, you know, you know get, he spends most Yeah, of he time. looks like Roy Orbison, you know, it's like. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> those things. And it's hard to remember. Like this was this was the start of something that was supposed to be huge. And it was huge. You know, it was for the 90s. You know, Seagal was as big as anybody. Um, but yeah, so for me, that was my number four just because of that you know, kind of going back to that sense of how exciting it was when he came out. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like you said, we've been bombarded with a lot of DTV Seagal, not at his best. And it is hard to remember the excitement of the young, vital Seagal. And I think that point is well taken. Right. Yeah. Well, an excellent point. That was my number three above the law. Oh. I mean, I can think of another one really quick would be. Uh, well, no, well, I mean, but kind of just to go back oh, to something right. you said about Speakman, a lot yeah, of it right. might not be Speakman's fault necessarily, mm. because if you remember, there was studio meddling with Perfect Weapon. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of uh, Mariska Hargitay, I'm assuming I said that correctly, footage that's on the cutting room floor. I would love to and, see that. She was supposed to be in the movie a lot more. Now she's in it for uh, like a few seconds. Seconds, yeah. I think, seconds. Wouldn't that be great to see uh, Benson beat up people? I mean, well, you know, and we're living in the the age of Blu-ray and we might see that someday. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Well, go ahead. Oh, no. Well, I was going to say, I think that would be something that, you know, for like a shout factory, one of those companies that puts out limited edition Blu-rays. There's enough 
of, of, of our kind of, of movie fan who would want to get that. But, you know, Speakman. Oh, you know, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did uh, My Samurai. I think they did <laughs> if too, My uh, Samurai can come out on Blu-ray, I feel like the perfect <laughs> weapon definitely could. Yeah, that could be there. And Showdown, which I just rewatched the other day. Uh, Billy, Billy Blank's, Blank's Showdown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Another good one. Do you remember the song? So that was your number four. Showdown? So, oh, sorry. Oh, well, Do you remember the song in Showdown, Matt? It was like, draw the line. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> and during the uh, training show. sequence, I, I'm screwing up the song. Oh, but. yes, yes. Because yeah. I think I recut that. Is that the is Showdown? Does that one have – no, I'm, 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 maybe I'm thinking of the Billy one. Blanks. Billy Blanks, have, but not not with – um. No, I'm thinking of TC um, 2000 when it had, had Bolo Young in it too. Yeah, that was Bolo. Showdown oh, – Okay. No bolo. <laughs> okay, no, because I was gonna say that that one TC two thousand. I recut that one with um, <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Big Strike Like Lightning from uh, oh. from Navy Seals, and I I think I have it posted if you, on the blog. If you go to the image page for that that post, it, it's still up there. But um, now I think I know what you're talking about though with that other montage with that song. Right, draw the line. Draw the line's the name. Draw <laughs> the line. Because <laughs> you have to sing in every episode, so, so you know there's your song for the day. <laughs> that's my song for the day. Yeah, but that's that's the thing with those movies back then was that you know I, I don't know like what the deal is now. It's like now it's like you just get like one or two guys who do these songs where they're like Bruh, and you know and it's like Bruh, <laughs> and, you know, and it's like you know like you know, what's that song that's on, in all of them like something about like waiting the bleeding or like a, you know oh. lag and bleeding or something like that. That's oh, like, do it, you mean um? Wildfire in the streets. Yeah, something like yeah, and it's like in it's just yeah. like it's like in like thirty of those movies in the credits. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know like like back then you had these like I don't want to see say like wannabe hair bands, but they were like they were either hair band types or they were like um is it, it Robert Tepper types? You know like uh what was that song? Uh, uh, There's no easy way out from Rocky Four. Um, well, the, 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 that time was fantastic for movie songs. Yeah, when it, it was it was either. Like the heavy rock, maybe a bit of metal, but I think what's generally called AOR, you know, this AOR music like Robert Tepper, Survivor, um, bands like that. It's great. It's fantastic. And what could be better for a training sequence? Yeah, it made it made the movie so much. And for, for the nostalgia fact, now when you see it, it's like it's so much more fun than this like these these big tattooed guys going, you know, it's like, you know, like I could not agree more. I hundred percent agree. I, I already thought of a couple. Ty, what's the song from Rapid Fire or Matt, if you remember? Uh, it's those two. They had two songs, and there was a band. Was it Hardline or was it Hardline? Um, yeah, it's like I remember the band. It was Hardline. They have a bunch of great songs. Actually, I have an I have a Hardline album in my collection. Does it have those songs? I know. I think it's a different one. Uh, and also the songs from oh, the Ron Marchini, um Return Fire. Oh, Gunslinger. Yeah, Gunslinger. Yeah, Return Fire. Yeah, Return Fire. <laughs> See, now I'm singing. Yeah. <laughs> It, those songs uh, were just so fantastic. I mean, it's kind of cool sometimes to go through like like uh, like YouTube sometimes and like see because a lot of people upload those songs from you know, I mean, I mean Robert Tepper has his actual the actual, actual music video which I didn't even realize there was a music video for No Easy Way Out. But um, oh yeah, watch but, that. Yeah, it's so fantastic. I mean, those songs, like, yeah, I mean, it, it added to the whole ambiance. Like, I know, um, you know, we'll probably talk about, you, you know, where to find us later. And, and with your Instagram posts, Ty, with the uh, mm-hmm. the movies, it's like you get the taglines and, like, the, the descriptions that were always, like, really, you know, there was always something silly or goofy about those descriptions. And then the, the songs <laughs> in the movie and, like, the whole package just worked back then. And now it's like, I think they're, 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 
there aren't. I guess maybe they don't think there are enough of us that appreciate it when the package looks like that. So they've got to do it this new way to like get other people who, who you know, I guess you know, entice them to come watch the movies. Right. I know what you're saying. There was more of a spirit of fun back then. It's not just you know these tattooed guys with no personality pounding on each other. There was a upbeat kind of song. In, in what I personally love in, in action and other types of movies where the song directly references the characters and situations in the movie. Yes. I do love that. I have your song, Brett, from from Rapid Fire. I'll be there. Or is it I Can't s- Find My Way? Because – and one of those two or both. Yeah. But that was good that you looked that up. Yeah. Um, and also, let's, uh, I mean, we could do this all day, but, you know, We Fight for Love from oh, Commando. Wow. That's power, a, yeah. power Station, is that what they were Yeah, yeah. Power Station, yeah. yep. We yeah. Fight for Love. Oh, I, I mean, it, you couldn't even do one of these movies without a song like that. After but killing waves of people. <laughs> well, and uh, also, I should say that in Green Street 3 – that tradition was brought back. Like there are these 80s style songs in that movie that are a total throwback and reference to the greatness of the 80s song. Um, so if Did someone wants to one? see a new movie with that, I would check out Green Street 3. Did you see that one, Matt? Green Street I haven't 3? seen the Green Streets. I've got to see those. Um, yeah, because I don't. Is that the one with Atkins in it? Yeah, is Atkins Green? is in the third one. You can yeah. jump right to number three because yeah, it's, it's not, not really connected. connected. Okay, perfect. Because yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of Atkins to catch up on, so I've, I've that, that's definitely another one on my list. So um, yeah, I'll definitely check that one out because um, yeah, the idea of any kind of '80s music like that for me just yeah, that that sells it for sure. Oh, me and too. Atkins and and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with the. Um, not just the movie, which we enjoyed a lot, but also yeah, the good. songs. Because it's, I forget the guy's name. It's the guy who was around now. It's not an 80s band, but he's playing it in like an 80s style. I, it works. I think it, he did a really good job. Because there's many training montages. Oh, there's so many training montages in the movie. <laughs> yeah. If you like I training love, montages. <laughs> yeah, if it's set to a good song, you know, I mean, obviously, like, yeah, when you think of, um, you know, Rocky Four, where it's set to No Easy Way Out, and it's like the, the, the mon- I mean, like, I mean, of course, the Rocky training montages were ridiculous anyway, like the fact that he's like running up like a mountain in the Grand Tetons and, and, and Wyoming, <laughs> just like with a leather jacket on. Just and, you know, to fight Drago. Right, just to fight Drago, but yeah, I mean, that was just, I mean, you had you had the Robert Tepper, when you also had the Survivor one, um, you know, Burning Heart, I mean, yeah, like, we, we take for granted that those, you know, those movies had that. And then it's like now it's like, yeah, you know, a training montage is a really fantastic thing because it it, it, it keeps us from having to deal with too much in the movie. You know, we can we're, we're perfectly fine with the idea that in, you know, a, a really short span, someone could be an expert at something um, with just, you know, a few minutes of of. of cut scenes together and, and, and a really good song. I, I'm perfectly fine with that if that moves the movie along. And so I, I think more movies do need to, to, to employ the training montage a little bit better. Well, that's true because a lot of times it's not really explained how someone got good. Right. So <laughs> that explains it. Do that in the movie for about five to ten minutes. And then, hey, he's good now. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But getting back on track, I think oh, yeah. we're at ties number two. Yes. We haven't done my three yet. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Okay, what's your number three? So my number three is it's Mark for Death, and um, 
it's almost as much for Seagal as it is for Screwface as the baddie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love Screwface. Yeah, I just thought that movie was, I mean, again, like just kind of going back to like when, you know, trying to compare that Seagal to this Seagal, it was like, you know, like now it's like when you rent a Seagal movie, it's like a bad movie night movie where you're just like kind of hoping to have fun. Like you talk about the Urban Justice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I remember back then, Mark for Death, that was like a, you know, sleepover with some friends and it's like, you know, we're watching this because we're thinking this is going to be awesome, and it, and it was. I mean, Screwface awesome. was just an ultimate baddie, and you just wanted to see Seagal take him down. And- Absolutely. As we always say, it, these movies have to have a strong baddie that's just as strong in his own way as the hero. And that movie definitely delivers a bad, bad guy, and the mall action set piece is fantastic. That was yeah, great. The yeah. last final battle was great. I, that is on our list. We won't say which uh, number. I won't spoil it this time. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just I love it. And it's when you mention about it, you know, having a baddie that's good, because I think one of the things now with Seagal is that people just don't necessarily he doesn't come off as always likable in his movies. And it's like the only way you can really make the baddie bad is that you have to have a baddie who's like into like human trafficking or something like that, which is it's automatically bad. Yeah, you just you, you, you obviously you want Seagal to stop someone from human trafficking. But, you know, at that time, you know, he was so awesome. And it was just like, yeah, they just, you know, Movies back then always had good baddies, but Screwface I thought was a uniquely good baddie, and kind of like um in, in Death Warrant with Sandman, um he was yeah. but, but Screwface was even better. It was like kind of Sandman on ten as a baddie, um and yeah I just I love that. I mean the voodoo stuff in there, all of that stuff, and like you said the mall scene, um yeah that's just for me that was a fantastic one. And uh, Todd, the song John Crow. Oh, oh yeah, John Crow. Uh, remember they Jimmy song? Cliff is in the movie yeah. Uh, yeah. performing in Jamaica because let's not forget he goes to Jamaica. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think they yeah. mentioned Screwface in the lyrics, right, Brett? That and sounds it, familiar. Yes. Yeah, it's like Screwface is coming to get you, John Crow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what more could be said? It's a great pick, and it's definitely Seagal in his prime. It's coming up on the list. It okay, might, it's perfect. high. It's high up. All right. We're tied. What's number two? Out for Justice. Good Gino one. Out for Justice. Gino Felino or yeah. Steven <laughs> Wait, Nico? Is that Nico? Nico is above the law. Oh, right. right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, in some places around the world, it was called Nico. Right. Yeah. And I, spoiler alert, this is my number two. So maybe we can ah. even do it like a big conversation on it because yeah, sure. it's light as well um that pool scene um the pool yes. scene is one of my all-time oh, favorites in a yeah. movie <laughs> oh it's great it's it's, it's amazing that's late 80s action at its best i mean yeah, well, I, I i can't think of anything i've seen. like there there aren't many movies where you, you when he walks into that bar or in that pool you know hall area and you just know he's going to take out all of those guys and it's almost like those guys know he's going to take out all of them too and they almost like kind of don't want to deal with it you know like and, and that whole thing you know when he wraps up the pool ball and the and the, and the, the what was yep. it like a handkerchief or a, a rag or, or a something sock or sock just, or something like that. Yeah, yeah i mean it's just like you just know it's going to be there. And I, I think that is one thing that, you know, we're starting to see more with guys like Scott Atkins, um, you know, now that Tony Jaa is is because I guess, for you know, Tony Jaa, I think, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago would have been in big budget Hollywood movies. But now with the way that the, the system works, he's got to do DTV. I, I think some of those guys can do that kind of, a, of of an action scene. It's just a matter of like getting the fight choreographer who is, you know, creative enough to make it happen. That's true, and it it calls to mind the Jeff Wincott scene in the garage in was that Mission of Justice? Yes, Mission of Justice. Which is just this big, brilliantly conceived action scene that's 
a big free for all, but it's just it's so entertaining to watch and so well done. And I think that comes close in that sort of scene, you know, in the pool, you know, the pool hall scene and the, also the Jeff, uh, yeah, Jeff Wincott Mission of Justice blowout. Yeah, I understand that I had the sticks. Yeah, and it looks like people are really getting hurt. (laughs) Yes, that's going to say, like, when he shows up there with those sticks in that, in that, I mean, that was just, that was another one. I mean, I think, you know, for a modern one, I was thinking, like, maybe Avengement's final fight in the bar. Uh, No no, no spoilers, don't do spoilers. spoilers Because we're watching Avengement very soon. Okay, well, you'll you'll know, when you'll know when you're watching the movie that something like that is good. So, so, yeah, so, so I I thought you guys had seen it. Sorry about that. Oh, not yet. No, 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 that's okay. It's coming up. We're going to be watching it very soon. Um, One of the next movies we watch. All right, I won't give it away. I won't give it away. You'll you'll know. You'll kind of get a sense as you're watching that something like that will happen. But yeah, okay, so I won't give it away. But I think for a modern movie, that one at least in terms of being creative with fight scenes, that one is one of the few. Um, their fight scenes are a little bit more brutal. But I mean, I guess actually this one had you know out for justice. Those were brutal fight scenes. But oh, yeah, it was yeah. almost like the sure. way it built off of above the law. Um, it just sort of you know built. Um, and I know yeah he had a couple in between there. But I think it it, it just it it. It just really cemented Seagal as, as that as that guy. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Really good pick. I love the. Uh, I was about to say the. Um, I can't. I can't think. <laughs> the tagline to Alfred Justice is great because it says he's a cop. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to take out the garbage. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. I don't think you would get that today. <laughs> Movies they don't do that. That's one thing I've noticed again, like you know, from 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 uh, your Instagram tie where you're posting those those videos from the '90s, mm-hmm. and you know, it's yeah. like you know, I, I don't know, like and, and and part of it for us growing up was that like we would look for the funniest tagline if we were doing a movie night to to be like that's the one that we're going to rent. So you know that was part of it too. But you know that idea that like you've got to sell it for for the um. For for the for the video store audience, like if you're looking at it, and um, and I guess with Seagal back then too, you were selling it for the marquee as well. Like you were going to the movie theater and you were seeing the coming soon posters, and you see that you go, okay, this is the one I want to see, or it kind of oh. gets into your brain. So when you far, first start seeing the commercials, you're like, oh, I remember that one. Um, and I guess nowadays it, there isn't that impetus for that. And now it's just like, okay, is the thumbnail good on the streaming site or something like that? Yeah, right. that's true. It's, it's not about- the same. Gosh darn thumbnails! Like, oh, I guess that that was like a punch. I'll go, I'll see it. (laughs) And the advertising and getting people pumped up was so prevalent back then that I remember when I saw Spaceballs in the theater. And believe me, this will make sense in a moment. When all the lines, like some of these funny lines, occurred, people were saying them out loud in the theater. Because they knew them from the commercials and the advertising. I can only assume. Yeah, like maybe Schwartz be with you, I think, was was in the advertising. <laughs> yeah, and then so and like people people were like talking along with the movie. And I think that was the power of that and also the excitement of going to the movies at that time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Spaceballs, I think that was one that was almost like a long time coming. Like we were waiting for the, the perfect like mock of uh, you know the perfect spoof of, of Star Wars and um you know when we saw all those names involved like John Candy and, and you know and, um uh, Robert Moranis uh, Richard Mor- uh, yeah you know uh, Rick Moranis Rick Moranis yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Robert not Robert <laughs> Rick Moranis I think I'm getting exact uh, Zemeckis Robert Zemeckis uh, yeah. I'm getting a few names <laughs> mixed up together but um, there's a bunch of S's and Z's and all <laughs> exactly. <stuff. laughs> yeah, exactly. 
exactly. Um, but, you know, when we saw those names, we were like, oh, yeah. And, and like you said, like the commercials were like constant you know, at that time. And you would you would know, like like you said, like, you know, nowadays they, they, they don't do it that way. Nowadays it's like they cut a commercial. So two scenes that have absolutely nothing to do with each other are put together to make it look like. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and they show the, the, the date where it comes out the whole time. So right. August 23rd. Like that's that's the only thing you care about is yeah. your precious release date. Like, how about yeah. some atmosphere? You know, right? Because now, yeah, the opening is the biggest thing now. You know, back then, yeah, the opening was a big deal, but you could also slow burn and and you know, because movies could stay in the theater a little bit longer. Uh, now that wasn't like the rush. Now, now it's the rush to get it onto streaming and 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 you know, digital download and and DVD or whatever. Back then, you could have a little bit of a slow burn and have something that didn't start off good build up to something bigger after a few weeks uh, but now yes. it's like man if that opening weekend i mean birds of prey i think is a good example with that where the, the opening weekend was wasn't as stellar as they were hoping and now like they're trying to repackage it they're trying to do different things with it because they're just like oh this is a failure now yeah. it's like you know, maybe it is, you know i haven't seen it but you know maybe maybe it could be successful but in this environment it, it it's 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 considered a failure already without even having a chance well, I remember back in the days when you see movies on, you know, movies that go to the theater, like, hey, you got to remember the release date. It's like, right, uh, March 23rd. It's like, okay, I got that. You know, if you don't remember, you're done. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's like, if you don't see it in the first weekend or two, if it doesn't have a good first weekend or two, that they start, you know, because especially with these corporate theaters that are out there now, it's like they start moving movies out quickly too, and. It's, it, it is. It's like one of those things where, and of course, it's not like I go to the movie theater that much anymore anyway. But uh, yeah, it is kind of funny how, like, back then, you know, you, you, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the release. I mean, yes, you, you, you'd see the release because you'd want to know, okay, this is when it's coming out. But um, it was one of those things where it's like, if it's out there, you know, it might be out for a month or two in the theater and you'd have time to go see it. And then, of course, you had lesser theaters too that would That's pick them true. up. That's yeah. true. Yeah. There's no time now. You yeah. have like a week and maybe two weeks if you're lucky. Yeah, if it's if it's not successful, right? I mean, if it's successful, like if it's like Avengers: Infinity War, it'll play for months because it's successful and they'll kind of keep milking it as long as they can. But um, you know, those other ones, if they're not, if they don't make it, you know, that's it. You're mo- they're moving on. Especially these smaller movies, like a lot of these action movies, were smaller movies. They weren't giant blockbusters, and so they won't get as much time in the sun as everyone else. Yeah, but at least back then, you know, you you would be, you know, it didn't have to be so successful right out of the gate. I think which was right. Nice. No, yes, no, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, which helps. I think that was nice for us as movie theater fans because, you know, we think about the '90s where it, it, things got so saturated, right? I mean, you know, just think about Seagal coming out at that time. You had you had Schwarzenegger, you had Stallone, Van Damme was just starting out. Like we hadn't quite seen him yet, but he was just starting out. Suddenly now you throw Bruce Willis into the mix as someone who can do these movies. Uh, it was just there were so many people. You know, Wesley Snipes was starting. Yeah. Um, and and it was like you know it was hard to keep up with everything but you could because if you went to the movies you know a few weeks in a row you could catch up with everything and um nowadays it's like yeah if this movie isn't successful right away they get rid of it and so now it's like they're, they don't even want to take a chance on something now they're like let's just put it in the video market and let it stream right and i think that's comparable to the music industry as well like back in the old days, the record label would give a band numerous albums to build themselves up and develop their sound and develop a following and all that. Now, if like the band's first album doesn't sell, they, the label drops them, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of bands, they weren't super huge and successful right from the jump back in the you know 60s, 70s, 80s. But the they, Beatles they, would be dropped today. 
Yeah, the Beatles would probably drop today. And a lot of bands like Queen or, you know, so many of these 70s rock bands would probably be dropped from the label. But the label gave them a chance to develop over numerous albums. So it's it, it's comparable to that, I think. Yeah, like, you know, think of like like Red Hot Chili Peppers, where it's like, you know, that, that album that had Under the Bridge, they released Give It Away first, and it didn't really do anything. Um, so they just put out another single. I think I think if the first single doesn't do anything now, you're not going to put out the second single and see what the second single does. But they put out Under the Bridge. That one blew up, and then they ended up re-releasing Give It Away, and people were like, oh, because now, you know, now people, there's a bigger audience that, that, you know, that recognized them, and they were able to grow from that and and like you said too with red hot chili peppers they've been around for a while um well that's that's what i was gonna say that's like their what i I don't know what album because i don't really follow them but it's got to be like their seventh or eighth album right right exactly they had i mean they had like the um you know the the cover of um uh the stevie wonder song there um uh i can't think of it oh higher higher ground ground. yeah yeah but it's true like again the first red hot chili peppers album probably would have been because it wasn't super successful right from the jump, they probably would have been dropped. And then they ended up being a hugely successful band. Cause, but no one will, is willing to give bands or movies that time to yeah. develop and become good. And also I should say the Red Hot Chili Peppers have been in several movies. And well, Flea, you know, Flea could be an action star. Right. Yeah, Flea, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, His performing. Flea, I think during that perfect. movie Tough Guys, it's like Kirk Douglas is a gangster. Um, um, yeah, Kirk Douglas and um, Burt Lancaster. Uh, yeah, the, I think they were at Chili Peppers. They go to some L.A. club, and they're like the band playing in the club. You're right. Oh. No, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Um, I, I always think of Flea in the um, uh, Bust a Move video where he had the pants that were made out oh, of – Oh, those like, – yeah, those pants are just yeah. amazing. Yes, that was fantastic. Well, he was in, he's been in movies. Like he was in the movie Suburbia, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Flea can uh, be an action star. Uh, Anthony Kiedis can be an action star. It's like, <laughs> well, Kiedis? his father was. Isn't Anthony Kiedis' his father Blackie Dammit, who was That's in Nine Deaths of the Ninja? Yes, that yes. is true. But, and then remember, Anthony Kiedis was hanging out with Warchild in Point Break, right? Where um, they were they they, they attacked. Remember, like, where, what, uh, yeah, that, right. That's right. Yeah, Warchild, seriously. Um, yeah, that was that, <laughs> Anthony Kiedis was in that scene. I so, am an FBI agent. <laughs> I know. Keanu Reeves always shouts out his profession. Yeah, he always shouts his profession. So, I'm a lawyer. I win. <laughs> Devil's advocate. Yeah, um, so. And one more thing about Spaceballs before we move on. You oh, know, there right. was a proposed sequel, which was supposed to be called Spaceballs 3, The Search for Spaceballs 2. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that's great. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Too bad that didn't happen, you know. Yeah, was that because, did it happen? Was it because did John Candy pass away? Did that or was uh, maybe I don't, I, I don't remember the circumstances behind it, but I do think that was the proposed sequel, from what I remember. Yeah, and I think Rick um, Moranis also stopped doing movies around that time, um, or kind of cut back. I know he did the the I, Honey I Shrunk the Kids movies, but then he kind of he kind of cut back. I think it, I don't know if his, his wife passed away or something happened that caused him to get out of the movie. So I wonder if it was sort of like that. You know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm like going. You know, I'm talking about events that happened after they were making the movie, but it, I wonder if maybe that part of it, it contributed to it. Well, as long as Splitting Hairs got a release, that's all I care about. <laughs> right. um, all right, so where are we on this list? Skull. I don't even remember. So I think I'm on, am I on number one or no? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, do your number one. It's your number yeah. one. It, it's your number one first. Oh, okay. Well, mine's marked for death. So it's, it's crazy because that's my number one. So maybe we could do another. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mark for death number one because you got Screwface, 
you got the thing. Well, hopefully I'm not spoiling it, but he's just that eye gouge. If you remember? At the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Do you remember that one, Matt? Yes, yes. I just it's realized, like, too. I, I, for some reason, I wrote Mark for Death twice. I wrote it for three. Oh, you did. It's that good. It's that good. One through five, <laughs> Mark for Death. Yeah, I have a different number one. But, yeah, I remember – I mean, yeah, that movie, I just re- – I mean, I can remember being like – I mean, I, I don't know, as we, like early teens or whatever. Like everything that happened in that movie was just so like, oh, Lord. Like, But the Screwface villain, like the way like he did stuff, it was like every time he was on the screen, you just were worried like what was going to happen. It's true because so many villains aren't threatening in a lot of these movies, and Screwface is a very threatening villain. You don't know what he's going to do next. And so, oh, yes, the goal's about to get him. I, I, like, yes, and he, he does everything possible to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he had it coming. I mean, yeah, you yeah. know. Well, yeah, that was like Mr. Sandman, right? In Death Warrant, where we always joked about when he threw Mr. Sandman into that, like, furnace, and then he comes out on fire and he stop drops and rolls. And it was like, um, that time? As he would. Like, yeah, remember, like, it was, um, was it Smokey the Bear? Someone was, like, talking about the whole stop, drop, and roll thing for kids. Um, and I remember we were watching the movie. We were like, that's right, Mr. Sandman, stop, drop, and roll. You know? But it was kind of the same idea that you had these villains that didn't die right away, right? That you, you, you did all these things to them and they couldn't die. And uh, I remember Screwface, it was like that. You were like, how? How is Seagal going to be able to beat him if he can't die? Right. And it's like right out of the horror genre, you know, how many times can you kill Jason or Michael Myers? How many times can he kill Screwface? I think, oh, I don't want to spoil it, but he, you know, he, he kills him like a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> so you think Screwface could have had a bunch of sequels where yeah. he's going around killing people. <laughs> it could have been like the Weekend at Birdie sequel, right? Where like a, a, a voodoo person brings Screwface back to life. Yeah, that's like, the Weekend at Birdie's Oh, yeah, that's plot. a good idea. Because yeah. Yeah. So voodoo was a big part of the, the plot. Yeah. So it wouldn't be out of character for that. Well, I, I saw that he's making a... Um, a sequel to Above the Law. Uh, <laughs> so I wonder, you know, a sequel to uh, Mark for Death would be great too, where you just, you know, do the voodoo thing to bring back Screw. I mean, the problem is I think it, it would have been better in the 90s to do a second. Well, that's true. Uh, that would be CGI death. voodoo and all that right. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like it could be like the serpent in the rainbow meets the harder they come. Yes. Plus the golf. Yes. And, and, and is Jimmy Cliff still alive? Maybe he can come back. <laughs> I think so. I think he might be in his 70s, but I think he's still alive. If he, oh, so if can get him to come back for another John Crow song, that'd be great. <laughs> yes. Or, I mean, he guess he could get another reggae artist like, you know, Shabba Ranks. I don't yeah. know. Shaggy. Uh, Shaggy. Yeah, yeah, Shaggy. Perfect. Right. With sunglasses, him with the sunglasses yeah. coming in or his hair kind of, you know, he, he, he could be that kind of that character. Um, Z- Ziggy Marley. Right. Ziggy Marley would be uh, Yeah, some Marley. Yeah. <laughs> Marley and me, I don't know. <laughs> Jacob Marley, I mean, Jacob, this... Jacob Marley, yeah. <laughs> One of the Marleys, yeah. a Marley of some sort. You know, we, we got a Marley. It's kind of like remember when they would they would do those movies that would have like um, Dwayne Swayze instead of Patrick Swayze, but they would just put Swayze on the yes. cover. Yeah, oh, yeah, the burn is <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. You just put Marley on the cover. And, well, I think the, the classic version of that is um, Death Ring, right, Ty? Yeah, Death Ring is perfect. It was because it, the cover, if you look at the top of the box, it says Swayze, Norris, and <laughs> McQueen. McQueen. Yeah. Completely <laughs> eschewing the fact that it's uh, – it's Mike. Not the Swayze, Norris, and McQueen, you might think. <laughs> yes. it's, it's Mike, Don, and Chad. 
<laughs> Those first names are nowhere to be found. You can't see them. You need a microscope. Right. <laughs> no, they're not there. They're just gone. They're not even there. <laughs> right. You just, yeah. and like sometimes you can see on the back of the picture they'll show who who they really are. But really, and and I mean, like the Swayze one, I think that's such a come down from Patrick Swayze to his brother, where it's not like when you go from like like you know um, uh, um, Martin Sheen to Joe Estevez, where it's like Joe Estevez <laughs> is his own thing that's really fun and everything, like. You know, if 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 Don Swayze, if, if he wasn't um, his Patrick Swayze's brother, he would just be an extra in movies yeah. that would just get kind of like come into the bar and get thrown across the bar by the hero, <laughs> right? You know, smash through so like the glasses hit him in the, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and we would be looking for that scene, right? Because he's always that kind of like that that guy, that kind of smarmy um, baddie. Uh, and and so it's a real come down from from Patrick Swayze to him. You know, it's not like Joe Estevez where you're like, I, I like Joe Estevez for Joe Estevez. I'm glad like you said Martin. that because if you didn't say that, I was going to say, you know, let's show some love for Joe Estevez because you're right. He's his own guy. And whenever we see his name in the credits, we go, oh, cool. Joe, Joe Estevez is here. You know, it's not I, I don't consider Joe a come down at all. You know, he might be better than Emilio. I think he may have passed him. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, you know, what, what he's been doing, Joe Estevez has kind of embraced what what he was doing in the 90s. and he He's kind of. I think people have really started recognizing people in our circles, especially like, you know, as, as, as a fun actor who does these movies. And, you know, of course he was really close with Robert Zadar and did a lot of stuff with him too. Right. But yeah, I think that's, you know, you know, in, in the past they would try to package him as like being like, you know, a poor man's Martin Sheen. And I think now it's, we, we all recognize like, no, no, it's Joe Estevez. That's what we're, we were almost like we would come to the movie for Joe Estevez as much as we yeah. would for Martin Sheen. If, no, I mean, he has his own strong personality, and I hear he's a really nice guy in real life. Yeah, I've heard the same. Um, all right, so I believe that's our the best of Seagal. That's the best yeah, of Seagal. So, I, Go so ahead. my number one was Hard to Kill. Um, oh. Almost entirely for take you can take that to the bank, Senator Trent. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have an alternate version to that, which is Seagal now. Which yeah. is, I'll take you to the bank, Senator Trent, the food bank. <laughs> in that movie, that was a very different Seagal, right? That was a Seagal who was in a coma, who was like trying to escape. I mean, that escape scene where he's like trying to like, like kind of inch himself out of the hotel, I mean, out of the hospital. Um, you know, yeah, he needed to eat in that movie, right? His character needed to rebuild his strength, whereas now you're you're kind of like, okay, you know, he's. It's almost like John Panette. Um, remember that, that late comedian John Panette who did the joke about the the buffet. You know, or yes, they'd be telling him to get out, you know, like, you know, they, they didn't want to see him coming. You know, it's probably kind of the same thing now with Seagal, where it's like, yeah, <laughs> great, you know, we don't want to see him coming. But yeah, that movie, I just, I, I remember watching that and just thinking like, man, I mean, and of course, like there was all that controversy at the time where he was, um, you know, his, his, his there was, there was like uh, issues with his wife. And I don't know if you've ever seen um this, um there's this, this, this um, Paul Shearer, the comedian, does these uh, routines on YouTube called Arshirio. Where, mm, I've heard of those. Yeah. yeah, he and another comedian will reenact Arsenio Hall interviews, and so this woman plays Steven Seagal in the interview that he did. I think it was for Hard to Kill, where um, he was talking about all this controversy that happened, um, where people were saying bad things about him, or people there like their tabloid things, and it's hilarious, like the way and it, and and it kind of you could kind of see maybe at that time that 
you know, hard to kill is almost where the, 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 the high water mark where it kind of starts to break for him. And he he's starting to get to him. Um, I don't know, Ty, was it you that told that story about how um he was on the set of a movie and he told one of the actors, I've just read the greatest script ever. <laughs> and they were yeah. like, who wrote it? And he's like, I did. Yeah, um, yeah that's basically Seagal now. Or... <laughs> but there yeah, might be for I... On Deadly Ground, which is on my honorable mentions. For oh, for me, yeah. Actor. Yeah, yeah, and so I think this for me hard to kill. It was like it was, and and of course the other thing I noticed is that like my top, my four of my top five are all like his first. They were his first four mm-hmm. movies. Um, so so I kind of feel like Hard to Kill is one of those ones where it's like I remember just being so excited to see another Seagal one, and I really enjoyed it. I I liked it, and and again you wouldn't see a movie now where Seagal is is shot up that he you know mm-hmm. and he has to kind of recover to get back to it. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, the one-liners, all of it, was, you know, it was a really good one for me. Um, so that's what, it's like a personal favorite. That's why it's at my number one. Um, I think, you know, kind of talking it over with you guys, I think, um, you know, Mark for Death is maybe a better movie. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like maybe a, I kind of the same thing I was talking about with my, my Van Damme picks where I was saying that um, Hard Target might be a better movie than my, my favorite is, is, is Bloodsport. But I think Hard Target's a better movie, so I could see it, you know, being... Yeah. I, I kind of the same way with this one, where Hard to Kill is like a personal favorite for me. I understand that. Yeah, no, no that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, so is that... Have, ev- well, I have oh. On Deadly Ground, on honorable mention, and I have a couple. I have Fire Down Below also. Mm-hmm. Which are very similar. They're very similar. Almost similar. <laughs> the same title. But yeah. the, On Deadly Ground, of course, has the uh, classic... Uh, scene where he has the speech about global warming for 25 minutes. Right. So it's like, so. that was the introduction of the buckskin jacket. Yes, he had the buckskin jacket. It's like, global warming is not very good. Seals are dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's not exactly why we tune into these movies, but sure, Seagal, well, go ahead. That's why he snuck it at the end, because he killed everyone in gruesome fashion. <laughs> and it's like, global warming is bad. So, and of course, his name is Forrest, Forrest Taft. Of course, his name is Forrest, yeah. Yes, of course. Now, I wonder, you know, thinking about Donald Trump as president, because he, he gets a lot of his ideas from movies and things, do you think that he, when he got became president, that his understanding of the EPA was that oh. they were agents that were going to factories and stuff and shooting the place up and killing people? And yes, that's why he I wanted to defund it, right? He didn't want, he wanted to get these agents out of there who were out there destroying businesses, and um, that was his, he probably was like, you know, and it's kind of funny, because if if you made another one of these movies, Trump would be the bad guy. He would be, you know, you'd have a president who would be the baddie that, like, this this DEA or this uh, EPA agent that kills everybody would be going for that. <laughs> Instead of Michael Caine, which had, right. he had a kind of a Trump-esque haircut in uh, Under the Gun, that kind of weird black hair. Right. And believe me, I don't like uh, EPA agents. Okay, man, they're terrible. They're actually terrible. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had Forrest Taft, and yeah, Forrest, um, his names are great, except for now. You know, you got Forrest Taft, you got Gino Fellino. You know? Well, I, I think once well, he, he was concentrating on the forest, he should have been concentrating more on the Taft end of that. But um, <laughs> right, cause I don't um, think President Taft was all that great on the environment. So that's <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he was, maybe he did, maybe we. I don't know enough about Taft, but maybe he was someone who was like setting aside a lot of land the way that uh, Teddy Roosevelt did for for things. So maybe that's why they called him Taft. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I was just really making a very cheap fat joke, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> also, let's not forget that in Hard to Kill, his name is Mason Storm. <laughs> awesome name. That's an awesome name. Was How about Forest Storm? Maybe he could like make him even more nature esque. <laughs> I like that. I like that. 
Uh, well, I mean, of course, we got John. Of course, you mentioned Jonathan called Professor Robert Burns. Yes, yes from Out for a Kill. Out for a Kill, yeah. yes, yeah. So he was a professor and named after the Scottish literary figure, right. which, as you would, thinking about Seagal. Yes, yeah. All of his other names aren't really aren't that exciting, but those those are good. <laughs> but yeah, the, it's hard to forget about Jonathan Cold and Professor Robert Burns as far as his later, you know, or mid-range uh, output. Well, now I guess we can get to the the least uh, favorite Seagals. Yeah, uh, I, had a, I just want to say quick for, for oh, go honorable ahead. mention. Actually, yes, Out sir. for a Kill is my honorable mention. So oh. one of my, <laughs> but I had a couple. Like, like, like Under Which Siege, I, I was trying to think with Under Siege. Was that the first time with the Die Hard paradigm that somebody in, introduced the, the female that tags along? It's a good question. It's a good question. We're not even talking about Under Siege 1 or 2. It's funny. There's not even a, <laughs> on our list. Well, that's because I don't think – they're worthy enough. I mean, they're well made, but see, as I've been saying for years, once he, they got off the three word title and went to the two word title, things started to take a slide. Like all, all if you notice all, all the best movies are the movies that are in basically your top four are all three words. Yes. That's a good point. You're you right. Know, so, and then they decided to change that up and go to two words, and then it just didn't work. So they had to go back to three words later. But it had to be out for justice, hard to kill, yeah. uh, above the law. It had to be. It had to have three words. That was the magic formula. Yeah, so I don't know what it would be like, like living under siege, or you know, uh, he's under siege. <laughs> or, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's under siege. <laughs> right, no. City but, under siege. I think that was a police academy movie. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, they should have used right. that one. That's right. They could have used that. Um, but you know, out for a kill. Obviously, the fact that he's a professor is great. But the thing about that one that blows my mind is I remember catching the tail end of that one on USA when they they played it on USA. And <laughs> there's that scene where he goes to the baddie. The baddie escapes. Um, you know, Dolph, or, I'm sorry, Seagal is on a, a, a you know second story uh, room. <laughs> yeah, I, I know where you're going. Yes, yeah, we know what's a, going on. Yes, he grabs a samurai sword and throws it at this guy. The guy looks up, kind of like, huh, what's happening? And gets decapitated. <laughs> um, and I saw it on USA. And it was one of those things. Like, remember, you had the digital guide bar. It was kind of a new thing at that time. And it was like, if it was already passed for the next movie. So like, if, I think it was like, it would move over after like, with a, like a minute to go for the next movie. So it was like, if it was 59, it would tell you what was on it at the next hour. So I missed what it was called. And I remember when I first started the blog, I went on this mission to find that movie. And I was just like renting tons of like Seagal stuff just to try to figure out. And finally I found out that it was out for a kill. So I think I went through like five Seagal <laughs> movies before I found it. Um, but for me, like that's up there with like, here's looking at you kid and, and Casablanca, <laughs> um, you know, uh, um, I, I'm trying to think of, you know, um, you know, could have been a contender and in, 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 on the waterfront. I mean, throwing the samurai sword and decapitating someone like that for me is just um, <laughs> and, and, and so uh, that would have had to be my honorable mentions. Now, my memory of that, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is it, it seemed very casual. Like he almost like just kind of nonchalantly just kind of dropped it out the window. And it wasn't like thrown with a lot of force. It was like, nah. like he like chucked a piece of balled up paper out the window and then it decapitated someone two stories down. Right. Because then it turns into a CGI samurai sword that is like yes. spinning like a helicopter blade at the guy. <laughs> But which is all the more hilarious because my memory is that it was a very nonchalant throw. Like, meh. It was. It was very Seagal, actually. It was very Seagal. <laughs> very Seagal. It was. It was very in character, yeah. Right, yes. <laughs> he never breaks character. That's pretty good for Seagal. <laughs> yeah, because it's all in character. It's nothing like him in real life. <laughs> yes, exactly. Never breaks it. 
Um, so, Ty, where are we? So, Ty, you want to do some of the worst? Lease. I have Black Dawn. Mm. Um, I know Brett, you didn't see this one. I, I've never seen Black I, Dawn, so talk amongst yourselves. Okay, so I just remember you, know, you clearly see Seagal's stunt double. He doesn't care. <laughs> it's just, you don't care. If you remember, fake shamps. Uh, yes, fake shamps. <laughs> right. We'll see. Yeah, that this actually Black Dawn because it's not on my list of of, of my top five, but it actually kind of gets to the one of the troubling things I had with making a, a bottom five was mm-hmm. when, I, when we were first talking about this tie. I was thinking like this is going to be the hardest thing is going to be to narrow it down to the mm-hmm. top five. But Black Dawn was one that actually when I went back and looked at my review, I was like, I thought this movie was hilarious, and so then it was like, okay, if well, I think the movie's hilarious even though it's horrible, it was like hard for me to just say like because because there were well, some like number ones. five. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I totally get because because like that was one of the things for me was I was like, okay, when I'm looking at my my worst, it was like. Okay, if I, if I thought it was hilarious, like should I put it, even though it was so bad? And, and, and it's like I think I used that term. It was hilarious, like three or four times. Um, I kind of want to rewatch it. I mean, I don't have a copy anymore, or I never did, but I rented it. <laughs> no, I mean it is. It's it's yeah. I mean, I, I think there were. It, it's one of those things with the Seagal with his director video stuff is that it they 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 really made for good bad movie night watching and sometimes you wonder with with Seagal like I mean I guess Seagal from his mind he just didn't care that like okay the stunt double doesn't look anything like him or <laughs> the reverse shot doesn't look anything like him and 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 it's like. You know, it, he just he, he was fine with it, and it and it made for these movies that were just really interesting, right? It was like you know, like like you know, almost like like they were like higher budget kind of quality, but then had these like samurai cop type like things in them that just you, know, you were just they felt they so out of well, place. But it's <laughs> funny though, so it's kind of like out of reach because yeah. they had a ton of hilarious dubbing, and you you see his stunt double a lot, clear. <laughs> Yes, yeah. It's a, in the yeah, woods, Brett, if you remember. Oh, oh, where he's like stoically walking through the woods. Yeah, not And him. it's not him. And it's clearly not him. And <laughs> there's also a message in the sushi in that, right? That is true. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you don't see that every day. I do like the message in the sushi uh, yeah, aspect of that. It's a perfectly fine movie. I'm not making that's not going to be on any, that's not going to be on the good list or the bad list. Right. It's on the perfectly fine list. <laughs> yes, which but it could be- go on the list where the people that were titling the movies were making fun of him. That is true. <laughs> we have a theory where the people that were coming up with these Seagal DTV titles were subtly mocking him. Because so, if you think about the titles, we have Out of Reach. For you know, we, we, where his weight might be preventing him from reaching something. We have Belly of the Beast. And also Shadow Man, you know, casting a large yeah. shadow. So I really birds, think, I yeah, some, yeah, well, that, but that is another one with some funny stunt doubling in it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so whoever was come up, come up with these titles, uh, was <laughs> subtly, possibly, subliminally making fun of him, and it's literally. It, I mean, if it was just one, like if it was just Belly of the Beast, he'd go, mm, maybe it's a coincidence. But there yeah. was a whole series of them, so I, I don't know. Is it a coincidence? I'll, I'll open that to the floor. So yeah, go it, ahead. It actually is kind of funny if we – I don't know if we segue into my, my number five worst. Sure. Um, my number five worst is actually called Gut Shot Straight, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah, so, Ty, have you seen that? I did see that, but it's not really that much Seagal action, if right. I'm not mistaken. It's yeah, kind so of a drama. Much. Yeah, yeah, it's like a film noir type thing that it was yeah. like – 
was 88 minutes long, but it felt like it, it had moments where it dragged. And I don't oh, kind of like overall, four hours. Yeah, it, 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 it didn't overall. It was like one of those things like if it had been made in the golden age of Hollywood with like Bogart or, you know, somebody like that, it would have probably had like a snappier dialogue to it. And seeing a bunch of people in suits with, with fedoras and hats doing the thing would have been a lot better than, than this where you've got I, – I can't remember his first name, Eads. Uh, George Eads, is that his – or George the guy from – yeah. He's he's the lead, and it's just like you know, and he does wear a straw hat. He wears a fedora, but it's more like um, you know, making fun of guys on on on, on the internet wearing fedoras that you know, um, <laughs> like like make bad comments on on Twitter posts and things like that. But um, like trucker but, uh, hats, or when, yeah. when like Ashton Kutcher wore a lot of trucker hats in the early two thousand. Yeah, exactly, kind of the same idea. <laughs> um, but you know, Seagal, yeah, he's not in it much, and it's one of those things where his character wasn't horrible. I mean, he had, he had kind of a funny accent where he was trying to do like a, a gangster, you know, like an Italian gangster type accent. Um, but um, it, it was weird because then he's also being like juxtaposed with Vinnie Jones as his like tough guy who is really a jerk. And, and it was like, you know, Seagal is much cooler than him. And he's just kind of letting this, you know, Vinnie Jones, you know, it, it, I don't know. And it, but it was like, it just overall, it was one of those things where I was like, kept checking the, 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 yeah. the, the bar out. to see what it's going to end. But but it is funny that you mention that because, you know, you know, gut shot straight is supposed to be a, a poker term, but it is kind of funny that it's another one that, you know, with, with gut shot, you could uh, make another comment. Well, that's golf. the thing. It's always another term, but they somehow find these terms. They can pick any terms, but they're having these subtle references and sly allusions, perhaps. Right. <laughs> um, so where are we here? I have uh, absolution as my number four. Mm. I'm gonna sound it's gonna almost sound repetitive because it's, it's the same issues. Um, he's in Bulgaria, he's Romania, in Bulgaria, or... Romania, <laughs> Moldavia. It's just like <laughs> and, it, and it's it is kind of bland and forgettable. I think is yeah, the main issue. The issue. Yeah. And the other thing too is it's funny because I was thinking about this because I, I you know Absolution was one for me that it 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 was another one of those Keone Waxman movies and. I was joking that like with um, um I was talking with Simon um, Miller about um, you know Adkins movies and I was joking about how like you know it was Adkins like works with directors that he's really good with you know like like Isaac Florentine or um, Jesse Johnson and like they kind of have a synergy where they're all working on the same page where I almost feel like Keone Waxman's like a Seagal whisperer where it's like he knows <laughs> he knows what Seagal is willing to do what he won't do and he finds ways to mitigate that so like Absolution it's like he makes sure he has a lot of Byron Man in that movie. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, up scenery he, with the cigarettes, doing really great action fights. Um, but of course, you know, he has to get captured, so Seagal has to go save him, which I was kind of like, okay, you know, I didn't need that part. Um, and, and the other thing, too, again, is we talked, we were talking about with Seagal with the baddies. You know, it's very easy to make Seagal likable in a movie if the baddie is a Vinnie Jones, like, you know, human trafficker who, that's like. That's what he is, right? Right. In that pollution. So. Yeah, so so that's another one. It's, it's, it's Keone Waxman, I think, trying to make the best out of, out of a situation where he's got, you know, he's doing a movie with Seagal. And it, it, I, I have some Keone Waxman's on my, my worst as well. So this one didn't make my worst, but it, I think it's kind of the same idea. It's like he, he's, he's, he's doing the best he can um, with, with, with Seagal. And, and I think Seagal probably respects the fact that Keone Waxman knows what Seagal's willing to do, what he won't do, and is going to make the movie around that. Well, that's fair. That's a very fair assessment. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm just laughing about Seagal, the Seagal Whisperer, which is yeah. a good idea. I think his name is Caesar Milan. Um, yeah, oh, he's the Seagal Whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so what is your number four? Uh, so my number Matt. four was Asian yeah. Connection, um, and oh, that was one that, that one. 
Yeah, it's Seagal's actually not so bad. He plays a crime boss. Um, it's based off a Ty, Tom Sizemore script, and my my hunch is that oh. this was not meant to be filmed in Thailand. It was meant to be filmed in in L.A. If Tom Sizemore wrote the script, and they kind of just tried to fit it, that you know, it was one of those things that was passed along a few different writers to try to fix it. Um, it had Michael Jai White in it, and I was wondering as I'm watching the movie, why didn't Michael Jai White and Steven Seagal have a fight scene? Because that would have made the movie a lot better. I discovered in doing some taking that apparently Seagal doesn't like Michael Jai White, and so it, of course he doesn't. Right? Doesn't. So it's like jealous. <laughs> exactly. We, yeah, it's something like that. You know how it is with him, um, and I think that that also attributes to why he says things about Van Damme. I think he's kind of you know jealous or feels like you know Van Damme was horning in on his his territory because he came in a little bit after I think um, Seagal but yeah it's one of those things where um, you watch that movie and you think a, a couple good fight scenes would have made the movie and we don't have them because why because Seagal you know didn't like Michael J I don't know exactly but um, you know the other thing too is the way that the movie was 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 went up went about was like you know Seagal is this you know, this crime boss who supposedly knows everything, but yet mm -hmm. he's letting him, one of his underlings have all of his money robbed from him, and he should know it's the underling because the underling's the one who told him where to put the money in the banks, and so it's kind of, it was like an easy thing for him to figure out. But the only reason why he wasn't figuring it out was it needed to spread out the film. Um, so. It was one of those things where Seagal wasn't bad in it, but you kind of get a sense that behind the scenes maybe Seagal was bad, and that you know affected how the movie was. See ya. Okay. I guess uh, I guess it's not worth watching that, right? So, I mean, it, I, I would maybe move. You know, the one thing that might make it good for you if you if you have like um, Prime or one of those services, it, it is on there. I think it's on um, Tubi as well. So it, yeah, you can Tubi. stream. Yeah, so it's easy to get to if you need to get a Seagal on your on your blog. But if you've got you mm -hmm. know other ones in the hopper, I think I, I would wait on that one. Okay. Okay, that that, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, Ty. I've driven to kill. That's number three. <laughs> Sounds a lot like hard to kill <laughs> or out for a kill. But it's not anywhere near even no. any of those because it's just it was weak from was what weak. I remember. I think it was Seagal who's very unlikable in it. It's like I, you just I just remember him being so unlikable if you remember that, Brad. All he did was to kind of torture people. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the kind of phase in his career where he was kind of going around being this sort of unlikable torturer and <laughs> that's really Seagal at his absolute worst yeah. you know, I think we have we have one example of the well the I final think number one, one. Yeah. yeah yeah we'll mention that later well and also the what? Russian accent I yeah. think um, <laughs> it, you, well that doesn't help right no. and, it, and it should help right because it should be funny enough to carry a movie right like it should be like the, the, the you think in theory yeah right but like the the, the, the torture stuff yeah it was it, you're right and is that the movie too is it driven to kill that at the end he's like typing a, an email or something to his, his daughter <laughs> and, and yes, like the way I mean, he's typing like he has his hands kind of like limp and and, and like, kind of like moving his fingers, and you're like, how is he even typing anything with that? He's, done like he's that. not. He's not typing. He won't even do his own typing. It's like, <laughs> so how could he have written the greatest script ever if, if he well, doesn't he used type? To type? He used to. Oh, now, oh. Now, now he probably yeah. dictates, right? And has somebody else type for him. Well, he he gets Stay a wide. stunt double to do the dictation. <laughs> Before we start my new script, I need some food. Nah. Like, I, need, I need to go to my trailer. I need to, I need to yeah. go to my trailer. I have a, I have a mini bar full of snacks. Yeah. Um, isn't that what happened on Glimmer Man? What, or, he, he ate a bunch of food? Wait, what happened? He was talking to like Keenan Ivory Wayans and no, oh, no, no, that was the, sorry. That was the other thing with the, 
which I just wrote the greatest script ever. I think yeah, he told that to Keenan Ivory Wayans. Okay, sorry, never mind. Okay, that's problem. who it was. That makes sense. Well, Keenan Ivory Wayans, I'm sure, would tell that story because he would get a kick. Yeah, out yeah, of I think. That, yeah, that's where the story came from. Was Keenan? <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Um, okay, so. My number three is actually, we were talking about it earlier, Perfect Weapon, um, mm. in part because they steal the name from the Speakman title, but also you've got two Seagulls, which I don't think you need two Seagulls. Um, right. And, and so, but also, I think that the, the Johnny Mesner thing was kind of sautéed in wrong sauce, too, where he's like somebody who has a, a natural charisma, um, and, and he's playing this sort of like this stoic, like, you know, guy who doesn't, you know, doesn't have any emotion. A lot like Hitman. Hitman. Yeah, exactly. Someone like Hitman. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was. It, it felt like. Um, I know it came out before that Blade Runner sequel that had Ryan Gosling. Um, I know it came out before that, but it felt like if the Asylum was doing a mockbuster on that Blade mm. Runner sequel, it would have looked interesting. Like this. And of course, you, you accept it from the Asylum, right? Because you know they're just trying to bang that thing out and 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 make it happen. Whereas this was, I don't know. It was, you know, um, yeah, like you said, you know, Johnny Messer was like completely ripping off Hitman, especially that first scene where he comes in with yes. the two guns. And, and it's like Johnny Mesner's got great martial arts skills, and you know that should be a scene where he doesn't have any guns, and he's just like taking guys out with his feet. And, and um, you know, there's a scene where he's supposed to be this really great trained killer, but, but like you know, he's supposed to be considered the perfect weapon. And I don't know if yeah. he was the perfect weapon because he would just constantly make mistakes that would allow the baddies <laughs> to catch him, and that's why he was the perfect weapon because he was easy to control for the for the wow. um, for the for the, the the government that made him because he just <laughs> constantly made mistakes that even us as like people who just watch action movies could be like, dude, get out of your apartment. You, you don't need to have a love scene with your, your girl in your apartment right now because that's where they're going to look first. And, of course, that's where they show up and catch him. And, you know, um, yeah, it was it was just kind of, you know, top to bottom was one that didn't work for me. Well, I think oh, we kind of yeah. like that one a little bit, if you remember that. Because I think it was so ridiculous with the Hitman ripoff and the Blade Runner <laughs> ripoff and the Seagal yeah. on a TV screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think – yeah, that carried us through is how yeah. just blatant it was, you know. Yeah. You know, I think that's for me maybe one of those things with these ones where it's like if I can look at the movie and say what it should have been, sometimes that, that hurts it more. Um, and maybe I shouldn't – I should do like what Mitch always talks about with DTV movies, grading them on a curve. That like instead of saying like, God, this movie could have been this if, if they'd let Johnny Mesner do this and if they'd you know, done this with it. Um, whereas instead I should have looked at it as like, yeah, like the Seagal on the screen with the sunglasses and the goatee as, as the, the, the dictator. Like that should have been enough to sell it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you, you, I know it's hard, but if you can enjoy that for what it is, I think that's your best bet. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we were just saying that yesterday because we watched uh, Mask of the Ninja of Cast with Van Dean. It's like that could have been a lot better. Because there's too many quick cuts in the fight scenes. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, there's quick cuts, there's flash cuts, there's yeah. shape cuts, there's every kind of cut except what you want, you, want, you know. You just want to see Cast Van Dean beat up ninjas. Is that so hard? <laughs> yeah, Please. Well, that's, that, that and it is like, almost there, but it's so not close. Yeah, right. I mean, that that sounds like Keone Waxman trying to make the best out of a situation with Seagal, right? Where he's like, "I'm going to do these quick edits, so you don't know that it's this body devil in this scene here, or you know, um, that he you, you don't know that he won't do a scene with this person in the movie. So we're just gonna, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and yeah, you you when you. You know, as you as you talk about it, like it doesn't always work, right? Because you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch a movie that they're trying to make the best out of it. I want to watch a movie that has really great scenes in it. Right. No, I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, so number Ty, two, I have an yeah. attack force. Attack force. Mm-hmm. Well, because I showed you that clip, uh, Matt, of him <laughs> with that absolutely hilarious dubbing of him. With no. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I should have got to you, Brad, right? Um, I think so, because yeah. I've never seen the movie, but I, is that the one where he fights aliens or, or no? Something like that. It's like aliens or drug dealers or something. <laughs> no, 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 aliens from space. Right, they use like, like a that. special drug, right? They have a special drug yeah. that makes them. But 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 what's funny is they have a special drug that makes them like superhuman. But yet, one Seagal can still take them out when he doesn't take the drug. But two, like people that didn't take the drug could get thrown through like walls and be okay <laughs> as well. So um, this was one that just barely it just barely missed my top five. Um, mm. But. Part of it was that the dubbing was just insane oh. because it was like well, – I mean what, the guy sounded almost like Martin Sheen, I think. Yeah, Martin like, Sheen or Bill <laughs> Coleman or something. It was yeah. just like – When I first started watching it, I think I like actually like turned it off and was like trying to figure out if something was wrong with the copy that I had. I was like, this, like did I get some like bad foreign dubbing or something because it was so ridiculous. Because it was nonstop. It was almost nonstop dubbing by Sinatra. Yeah. It was – Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, no, it went back and forth, didn't it? It was like kind of like up and down, like you did, you know. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Brett. Oh, I was just going to say, and, and that's saying something, considering if you watch a lot of Seagal movies, we're used to seeing him dubbed in all sorts of ways. <laughs> you know, like in, whenever he's supposed to be a Cajun or have any sort of Cajun accent, whoever does that for him it, in some places doesn't always quite – make it you know it's it's just as his voice is a little too high pitched they just should have picked someone with a lower register yeah it's just so funny because it was like they cut to him he's not saying anything that's in his, vo- in his voice at all so it's like <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like and it was on for minutes <laughs> like, right it, it really <laughs> is about this whole like trying to mitigate the the cigar fact like like how do you you know, when, like you like said, like like he's not going to go in afterwards and 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 do his, his his voice work that to like do the scenes that weren't picked up properly, right? So you got to get somebody else in there, and it's like maybe this movie <laughs> with Attack Force, maybe if there's a way we could find out the history of it, maybe this was a movie where they didn't know he wouldn't do that, and they found out last minute that he wouldn't do it, and they needed to get somebody in as soon as possible to get the movie out um, by the deadline, and so you you never know with Seagal, you never know with these movies like where, what kind of positions he's putting the filmmakers in, where they've got to make these these changes, make these these decisions. Which for us, it's like yeah, you either end up with something that's really bad or something that's really hilarious or even a combination of the two. Because it was really yeah, it's, funny. it's hard to distinguish sometimes. It was really funny, but it was like, but the movie itself was not very good either. Because the ending, I I guess it kind of has an ending because the credits ran. <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, all right. it's not good. I want your number two. Uh, so my Matt. number two, actually, speaking of Keone Waxman, it's um, Maximum Conviction uh, with with, with oh, Steve Austin. Yeah, forgot about that one. This is another one that I felt like it could have. I mean, Steve Austin is pretty much under, uh, completely not used in the movie, um, and I almost feel like Keone Waxman. I don't know if maybe he saw this one, Maximum Conviction, and tried to right the wrongs of this one with Absolution by saying like, okay, well. I had Steve Austin in the last one. I could have maybe leaned on him a little bit more to like juice up the movie and, and make it a little bit better. I'm gonna do that with with with, with Byron Mann in in Absolution and try to you know it, it it may have kept it off my bottom five. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was one of those ones where you're just like you know again the movie in the prison it, it's really hard to make it work anyway. Yes. Um, and you're going to see with Avengement how they do some some cool things with the story to to make it work for that movie where it's not you know in, in the prison, um, and it's it's one of those ones that it's just like you're watching it and you're like, you know, okay, 
there, there's so much great stuff that I could be seeing here, and I'm not seeing it. And, and again, I think it was just Waxman trying to, to, to do the best he could with the situation and, and just put out a movie that's got Austin and, and Seagal in it and, and hope it sells. Isn't Michael Paré also in it? Yeah, I think he's like the warden. Or yeah, yeah. I, we saw that one, Brad. It's hard to remember. Yeah. I remember it, it, a lot of it has gone from my memory banks, but I do remember that Paré was the warden or something equivalent. Yeah, he's trying to become the next Eric Roberts. Um, he's another. There's there are, there are a few that are out there trying to be the next Eric Roberts, and and Pere is one where he's been doing a lot of stuff um, and a lot of small roles, and so I think I mean nobody's really going to do. I mean Eric Roberts I think did twenty just just in feature films alone. Forget like you know move, uh, TV appearances and short films. I think he had like twenty credits in 2019. So I mean those guys Pere, um, I think Boswick's trying to do a lot of stuff. Barry Boswick, like <laughs> yeah, even Vivek A. Fox, like a lot of them are doing a lot of stuff, and they got a long way to go to catch eric roberts well who's the, who's the third person you mentioned oh uh, barry bostwick um oh no oh well <laughs> after bostwick. yes after, yeah. wait after bostwick. Oh, no it was bruce boxleitner he's another one too and vivica a fox i've noticed oh, she's vivica been doing fox. a lot of stuff yeah she was in something we saw recently ty right well we watched assassin's run with tom sizemore uh that was the last thing we watched so that was she's doing well that, <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. Have you saw that one yet, uh, Matt? No, I haven't. Because, so. I, I, yeah, she, I, I just saw – I just reviewed uh, Crossbreed for the blog where she played – she was the first ever African woman, African-American woman president in a, in a feature film or a live-action feature film. Um, and I I was like looking at her, her bio and I was like, wow, she is doing a lot of stuff. Um, and I always respect that, right, we, you know, for DTV stuff. Anybody who, who grinds out a lot of movies, that's always something. So I was looking at more to do for her. The idea of her and Tom Sizemore I think would be fantastic. I mean, or even if it's not good, maybe just like – you know, it's Well, it's not very time. good, but there's some really silly moments I, you'll definitely uh, notice, especially of Tom Sizemore. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing with the blog, right, is that, like, sometimes if it's bad, as long as it's got enough content to make a blog post, it's, like, it's it's still good for us, right, that we can have <laughs> something to do with it. Yeah, I think that's um, – so yeah, – I'm on the final one, which okay. is like, – you think you know which one this is, Brett. Oh, Kill I know switch. which one it is, yeah. <laughs> Kill switch. Yeah. Um, um, that's another of his unlikable torture movies. Yes. He was really torturing it up in this one. It's like, I. Like, if but, you remember, is that why people? Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I will mention, you can mention, I'll mention the torture. I was just going to say, is this why people t- t- seek out these movies and tune into Seagal movies? Because he wants to watch, because they want to watch him torture people? Because I really don't think it is. Well, the, the torture in this one was pretty bad. I mean, it was, he knocked that guy's teeth out or whatever he did. And, but then his teeth came back. Like well, that was good. I'm not sure that was on purpose, but yeah. It, but it was it was like a curb stomp, but it was on a bar, yeah, like a, a yeah curb yeah. stomp, but like a curb stomp. And then he beat that guy up with the hammer. He broke all of his bones. It's like, is this really? It's like we want to see martial arts. Like we don't want to see torture. You know. Yeah, and, and also he had that really bad accent in that movie too. He, he, he sure did. A cop in Memphis, right? You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. One, this one, because I, I saw Gut Shot Straight recently, and this mm-hmm. one actually bumped Kill Switch off my, my bottom five. Um, and now kind of talking to you guys about it, I think maybe there was some recency bias with me with, with Gut mm-hmm. Shot Straight that, that maybe Kill Switch should have stayed where it was in the bottom five because, um, yeah, it, none of it worked. And, like, none of it made any sense either, like, why he's, like, a cop or a detective. Yes. 
but then he's got all these martial arts skills, and again, he's got that accent, and then, yeah, you're right, like, the banging people, you know, I mean, all of that stuff was just, um, yeah, I, I, I think I called it, like I said, you know, is this, like, seven to pair, paired with above the law, right? Like, I mean, you know, like, what am I watching here with, with this movie? Um, it, it's definitely my honorable mentions for Bats, like, because it was, it, it I, I kind of think I probably should have left it on my bottom five. I probably, you know, maybe I was a little bit too hard on gut shot straight. I get that. Well, I mean, I'm glad you agree. I think it would have been weird if you didn't agree and said, no, we love, I love I Kill Switch. Well, if you remember the part in the beginning, Brett or Matt, he throws the guy out the window 18 times. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, so you know what you're in for with something like that. And it's kind of like one of those, like, buckle in, you know, like, we got to get through these this hour and a half here. And um, I mean, the fr- if you did it like three times, I probably would have let it go. But it's just like, but another 10 more times, it's like, are you kidding? Yeah. He already fell. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, it's all the worst impulses of the DTV Seagal, I think. Yeah. And Isaac Hayes is in it, has no name. Just the coroner. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the coroner. <laughs> I forgot about the coroner. Never forget about the coroner. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get Isaac Hayes, could you at least do him the respect of giving him at least a first name? Well, even a name that's used in the credits. So, like, you know, like Isaac Hayes as Dr. Blank, you know, coroner or something like that. So so then you go, OK, yeah, he at least had a name um, as opposed to just the coroner. <laughs> the coroner. Yeah, I think it's like it's like when Dick Van Patten was the principal in yeah. a dangerous um, place, a dangerous place. <laughs> just the principal. He's the principal of the school. And all we know is he's the principal. And, and of course, one of my favorites, Editor Bill. Yeah. From, from the circuit. <laughs> Jalal Murhai was Editor Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Editor, Bill. That's his first name was editor. Like, editor. how did his parents know he was going to be a newspaper editor when he was born? We don't know, but that's his name. Well, it might be like how it is. Like, if you name your kid Jeeves, they have to be a pilot. Right. Like, yeah, that's a Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's like they're, they're naming him editor, knowing that he's going to be an like, like, it's almost like it's fulfilling the po- prophecy. Like, I guess like if you know the South, maybe you name your kid like Brock or, or something like that. You know, he's going to be an NFL quarterback. Um, so you can that's like the or Colt or something like that. Like that's the idea. <laughs> You're trying to make your kid into uh, something that you want them to be, which the great thing is that an editor is the thing that they feel like is the the, the, the job. I mean, it actually makes sense, right, actually, because editor more than like, you know, like NFL quarterback or something like that. It's like, you know, or even like Butler. It's hard to find a job as a Butler nowadays. But like, you know, editor, there's, a, there are plenty of places that could use an editor for, for a variety of things. And so you're really setting your, your, your child up for a, a stable career where they can see themselves. And, you know, and, and, and I think that's actually a good maybe, you know, if I, if I have my wife and I, we never had kids. If we had, that would have been a good idea to kind of come up with like jobs, you know, like accountant, you know, CPA. Yeah, accountant, you know? accountant, accountant James. Right. Royal <laughs> Brett. Right, exactly. right. Just whatever job you want them to be, just name them that. Right. And then they, they, they grow up and they make like, you know, they have these successful careers that they're not flashy. They're not crazy. But it's like, OK, you know, you, you're, you're making enough money and you're supporting yourself and, you, you know, you'll be able to pay for us to go in the nursing home. And then <laughs> it's very practical. Right. Exactly. Nurse Matt. Nurse Matt. Right, exactly. but, but, you know, the thing is, you also don't want to set your standards too low. Like you don't want to go with like garbage man, Larry. Right, right. So I mean, you know, garbage man in a city isn't bad because you get a pension, you get, but but you're you're, you're putting your child through a lot. That's you know to get. No, that's I mean, it's actually a really good job to have. But I, I, you know, I'm not 
Certainly yeah, not putting them down, but but yeah, just thinking in terms of like making sure that you know retail, like you know, like 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 salesperson, Jim, like that would be a tough one because with Amazon and all that, you know, you're, you're oh, yeah. in a spot where they might not have a job, you know, when they get old enough. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> you want to make sure it's a job. worker, construction <laughs> right. worker, Brett. Right, exactly. Yeah, factory worker, Jim. Like Sorry, that's gonna be tough. Factory you know, worker, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want you, you want it to be a job where they're going to be able to make enough money, support themselves, probably pay off their student loans as well. So like lawyer or, or accountant, you know that they're going to make enough money to pay off those student loans that because, you, you, you know, you want it to foot the bill for all of that either. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want like a homeless Joe. Right, exactly. Homeless Joe. I guess that would be like... <laughs> I mean, um. So maybe you need homeless Joe, like you, you, you give them the inspiration to really defy their name right and, and get out there and do something crazy too so you never know that that it could work the other way that's true they, a lot of kids rebel against their parents awesome names that we we think of you know like hunter you know like uh what is it thrasher Hunt, yeah thrasher could be a cool last name matt thrasher right. would that be an awesome last name Yes. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's a last name people have. I mean, yeah. I will yeah. change it, but yeah. yeah, for sure. I can't change my last name. Um, so oh, we're we some honorable mentions. No, or? we have number one for. Uh, oh, we, oh, we didn't do number yeah. one. I thought. Oh, okay. I sorry. did for me. No, oh no, my number one was force of execution. Um, so <laughs> one with that. Danny Trejo, Bren Foster, and it was one of those ones where I'm watching and I'm thinking like, okay, he's passing the torch to Bren Foster. He's going to come in and really like carry this movie. Um, and again, I think this is one that if Keone Waxman could have it back, he probably would have made Bren Foster be more like um, uh, Byron Mann in Absolution and actually have him do that. But instead what happens is he gets his hands crushed because he, he screws up a job and, and Seagal has mm-hmm. to put him on ice for a while or something like that, and he crushes his hands. Um, and then when they need him to, to do fight scenes at the end of the movie, Danny Trejo comes in with this box full of scorpions and stings his hands to fix them. <laughs> um, somehow that fixes, um, you know, uh, crushed bones and brings them back to life. I don't know how that works. Um, there's Ving Rhames in it, and there was kind of this, like, element of, like, because um, uh, uh, Seagal's daughter, I think it's, uh, it's I think it's his daughter. Um, she's a blonde woman who is, is kidnapped by these blank, black gangsters. So there's a little mm-hmm. bit of that element as well, like the, the black guy taking the, 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 the nice white girl and um, having to go rescue that, uh, which I, I, I didn't like. Um, that was also one that Keone Waxman in um, Tactical Assault, I think it was, with um, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. It had some of that element in it as well that I thought was didn't play well. Um, and then, of course, Seagal is this crime boss who Again, suddenly has... a crime boss. Right, he's a crime boss who suddenly has special ops skills, right? Because when they when they go to take down Ving Rhames, he's going in with his whole special ops gear and his guns trained. He's like suddenly a SWAT trained guy or something like that. Um, so it was just kind of all over the place. It made no sense. But then it was like, but again, it's one of those ones where it's like, what could have it? What what it could have been with Bren Foster? Um, and and yeah, it just didn't happen. We didn't see that one either, Brett. Well, no, not yet. That we might not someday. Yet. Right. Well, not, but if it's your number one worst, maybe we yeah, maybe won't we see won't. it anytime soon. <laughs> it's very tempting because you look at the cover and you see Seagal, Ving Rhames, and Danny Trejo, and you think, I think okay, I've seen the cover. Yeah. Right. It, it looks really enticing. Um, but, yeah, it, it just didn't work um, on, on any level for me. Well, that's good. That's that's actually a good tip so we know what to avoid maybe. Um, well. We have a bunch of interesting different ones. You know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't expect that. Yeah, we didn't have. I don't think we had a single. Uh, well, so the closest thing I think we came to with a, 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 a 
uh, an overlap was um, uh, Kill Switch because that yeah, was Switch. that was my number six. That was like my honorable mention <laughs> bad one. I don't have any honorable mention bad ones. Uh, I forgot to look it up, but it's just like, <laughs> but uh, well, maybe maybe Flight of Fury. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Having Dolph as a, as a pilot. I mean, not that Dolph as Seagal as a pilot. I think yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, yeah, I, I think one of the things that's interesting about Seagal's Seagal's movies with the especially that he's doing a lot with Keone Waxman is that it it does feel like there's an attempt to try to make the best out of what you know with him. Um, you know, that was uh, Fred Olin Ray did uh, that that sniper movie. Um, oh, I heard ops. of that. Yeah, special ops. And and it's got some issues as well, but it's kind of also the same thing. Fred Olin Ray, someone who you know we know is someone who just goes in and bangs out movies real quick. Um, and he kind of is u- probably used to working with people that that do the kind of things that Seagal does or like, the, ha- have the kind of demands that Seagal has. Um, and and that was one thing I was noticing as I was going through all of these Seagal movies that it seems like <laughs> if if the director does a good job of like um, I don't, you know mitigating the Seagal factor, um, it, it, it works. But if they don't, or even if they they can't, if they can't overcome some of those things, it doesn't work, right? That's where you get that kind of that combination. Um, and like you said, if they have too much torture in them too, I think I think um, uh, uh, Driven to Kill is another one that was kind of close because of that same factor. Yeah, yeah, I think we, we did t- kind of touch upon that. But I was thinking, of, I haven't seen Flight of Fury, but maybe he's just getting revenge from the fact of what happened to him in was it executive decision? Right, yes. <laughs> right, I'm gonna fly the plane now because I got killed in that yeah. one so quickly. <laughs> but but I, I, I well, switches, go ahead, right? oh sorry what no well, Matt I had a question oh go ahead oh oh well I was just gonna say I, I do have an honorable mention for something we liked oh which, well, go ahead which was um, attrition oh right, right? yeah we liked have you seen that one yeah, but we we liked it recently. yeah I liked it um and I also um oh god I can't I can't remember the name of the actor who played uh, the guy who was in Rikio um. The guy with the glasses. That was, um, um, is it Anthony Wong? Yes, or, yes, oh. yeah. I loved him in this as well. But yeah, yeah, attrition was it? Yeah, it was. It was one of those ones that was interesting, right? Where it's like, um, you know, for for one of his new ones, it was one of the better ones, I think. Yes, oh, I would. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah, because it's really trying to be just like almost a traditional Asian martial arts movie, and Seagal's in it, but. It's not obtrusive. It's not obnoxious. It's no. It, it, it's very watchable. And of course, what happens during the end credits is really a, a great capper. Yes, <laughs> one of the best end credits we've seen in a while. <laughs> yes. Because I'm happy I mean, not to see that. I, yeah, I mean, how often? I, mean, yeah. I, I was. I say, Ty. I think you told me to make sure I watched the end credits yes. because uh, I, I think I mentioned that I was watching it, and you were like, "Oh, you got to see the end credits." And yeah, yeah it definitely delivered. <laughs> Because not only is he on stage playing guitar and singing, but the, like the cast of the movie is dancing <laughs> along almost in unison to his music. It's really something. And, and they're trying to do the best they can with it, too, because it, it seems very uncomfortable. Like the whole thing, it, 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 seems yeah. like, it seems like you're at a wedding where there's no open bar, so no one's drinking. Um, and, and nobody's had that kind of like the, the alcohol. There's yeah, it, it definitely did have that feel. Yes. Right. I mean, because um, it, it had James Bennett, who I think we mentioned last time from The Great Fatal Deviation, which is awesome that he's in it. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, 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 they're not dancers, you know, so it's yeah. <laughs> like Rudy Youngblood in this one. Um, I, I always joke because he was in a movie called Beatdown with with Danny Trejo. And uh, I was joking that like his character should have just been called Beatdown in that movie. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, when I saw him in the movie, this one, I was like, oh, it's Beatdown. Look at that. He's back. <laughs> so, 
Um, but yeah, it was it, the end credits were enjoyable and um, it kind of puts into perspective that, hey, we actually liked this movie. Someone's heart was in the right place. Yeah, it, it had some scenes that were kind of goofy, but I think when you look at it in the context of being like kind of your traditional Hong Kong kind of movie, they make sense. Yeah. Like that scene with the sun coming to hit, because Dolph is like a doctor. He's like an acupuncture doctor. Oh. The sun comes crying to him saying, my dad tried to kill himself. And, you know, Seagal shows up and they're all kind of like crying and, and like trying to like, you know, the, 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 the dad's got the knife to his own throat. I like remember that. Yeah, we watched it a couple months ago. Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah, and it's kind of like, this is all just kind of craziness. Like, what is happening here? But in, think of it in the context of a Hong Kong movie. That kind of stuff would happen in those movies. And and you just kind of roll with it. And, and, and Seagal was rolling with it, which, which blew my mind because, you know, he's actually <laughs> in these scenes with these people, right? Because yeah, yeah. Like, he's in scenes? <laughs> I know, that's asking so much, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I was one thing I was noticing with a lot of his newer ones is that like he's never on screen with somebody else, like almost almost <laughs> never. Like it's usually just him, and then like there there's that reverse shot of whoever, and then you know then it's him with you know a much slimmer person as the reverse yeah, shot yeah. of him. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like this was he's actually acting in these scenes with these people. He's actually there with you know with with, with these with these actors, and so so he must have really bought into this project. He must. Oh have yeah, really no, I think so. I think he was involved in the production of it. I think he really was. I believe his heart was in the attrition. I really do think that. But it's funny because, you know, because Bruce Willis has that same thing where he doesn't do the stand-ins and the reverse shots and, you know, with the fake champs. So if Seagal and Bruce Willis were in a movie together, they wouldn't yeah. be in the movie at all. No, it would be nothing. It would just be, it would be, be like reverse shots and they wouldn't be there. Yeah, just all reverse shots. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you, you could actually make it with them, right? Because you, you would have to constantly shoot the movie. It, I mean, it, it would take Keone Waxman. He's probably the only person I can think of that would have the experience to be able to to handle this situation where you, you have to have two actors who will not be on screen together. <laughs> so it looks like they're together. I think it would be a movie first. Right. Well, we saw that in Skin Traffic. I don't want to give it away, but uh, did you see Skin Traffic yet? Matt. No, I, it, it's on my list, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with spoilers on that. Well, there's, it's not really a spoiler. It's more of a funny reverse shot type of yeah. thing, which is there's a part where Michael Madsen is not is, – is, is, or is talking to Eric Roberts in quotes. <laughs> well, yeah, no, this is, don't, you don't have to worry because this isn't a spoiler, yeah. but basically there's a shot of Michael Madsen, or maybe it occurs a couple times throughout the movie, where he's clearly in a different <laughs> – place than where he should be like the background is different everything's different which is very amusing to see yeah we probably i mean there, there should be an academy awards like category for like best job by i don't know who it would be editor director cinematographer whoever editor bill editor bill <laughs> editor bill <laughs> i think I mean, you're talking about continuity right right yeah oh the continuity yeah exactly the person who's able to make the best out of these situations with these actors who come in with either with certain demands or they're like i'm only shooting for a day and that that's what you've got me for is a day you got you know that kind of thing where these because it it it, it I have a feeling that with some of these movies, we would like them even less if some of the, 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 the fancy stuff that was being done to try to make the best out of them wasn't being done. Like we, we Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Because it's these quirky – yeah, these, the, the quirks are what make these movies interesting. Like movies without any sort of quirks are a lot more boring. Yes, yeah. But but also it's like they're 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 – covering up probably even bigger things that we you know, that, like we're, yeah that we don't even know about yeah <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, because they did their job so well. And you're right. These people do go unappreciated. So, yeah, there should be a special Academy Award every year for whoever can keep these projects together like that. Yes. Um, all right. Well, I, I, I think that's a good way to end uh, the, the conversation, I think. Let's want to keep talking. No, no. I definitely covered everything that I was thinking yeah, about. Yeah, well, I'm we can do the plugs. I guess. I think, yeah, we're plugs. fresh out. So why don't we hit, hit, us, hit us with some plugs, Matt? Yeah. So um, <laughs> you know, um, uh, the site still uh, dtvconnoisseur.blogspot.com. Um, just posted recently on uh, on Crossbreed. Um, you know, um, let's see. Uh, Instagram DTV Connoisseur. Uh, Twitter DTV Connoisseur. Facebook is Direct to Video Connoisseur. So uh, I don't know why I did it that way, but I wrote it all out for Facebook. <laughs> Um, and then the, the, the podcast, um, you can find on TalkShoe or, or iTunes. Um, so nice. iTunes subscription is probably the best way to do it. But um, you can go to the site or, or um, the other places and get links to the TalkShoe site if you need to to, uh, to download from there. But, but uh, yeah, those, those are probably the primary places. I'm considering getting a YouTube channel up, but that's still kind of in the works. We'll see. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, keep us posted on that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely interested in that. And as far as us, Ty, uh, run down the list. We've got um, Twitter. uh, Ty Comeuppance on Twitter. And then um, the site itself, comeuppanceviews.net. we got on Facebook. Instagram. Oh, oh, Facebook, it's the same thing, comeuppanceviews. And Instagram is Ty Action Rocks, where I post my VHS covers. Just posted Busted Up. Yeah, Paul Kufos. Paul Kufos, yeah. I'm gonna say your Instagram is, uh, is fantastic. It's like every okay. morning, it's like this walk down memory lane, you know, where it's like you. I, I mean, the one when you did Blood Street recently, I thought was hilarious oh. because uh, it, it, <laughs> on the first like line, it's something like um, the streets of San Francisco are, are set ablaze. Yeah. When, when we were in high school, we would use that term to describe somebody like parted and stunk up a room that they set in a place. So I just like just imagine like my friends like being in the video store seeing that, and being like, oh dude, you stunk up a room, you blaze, and then like how there's fart noises the whole time, like. Right. Oh, it's like when you look at those VHSs, it's like you kind of go back to that time and you think about like the, the reasons we, we, you know, when we rent a movie, like what we would look for, like what would be funny, um, you know, like the, the taglines, all of it. It's, it's always so cool to just kind of do that and, you know, kind of, you know, if I'm at work or whatever, I get some downtime, I'll go through my Instagram and I, it's always great to see that, that, that post. Oh, it, nice. Know, I got a post in the morning, you know, so you can see it. <laughs> Um, and also there's uh, if you want to email us about the podcast itself or have anything you want to say about anything we've ever said it's uh, <laughs> crpodcast at yahoo.com so I think that covers all of our ways to contact us well thanks again for uh, appearing on the, on the program <laughs> yes thank you again for having me this was a lot of fun I think this is oh, a, great. It was, it's a great companion to the Van Damme one that you guys did last week oh, I think uh you know, sort of like, but, but I, I, this was, you know, I think it's like all, he's a different person from Van Damme. It's a different kind of, of discussion. Oh yes, very much so. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. Thank you to Director Video Connoisseur for showing up. And um, we will talk to you next time. We'll be back soon. Bye. Bye.